<laughs> so uh, it had a couple of curveballs that I found interesting. But uh, do you think, would you, if you were eternal, if you were immortal, let's say, would you wait 5,000 years? Before? So let me get this. And let me see of, if I got this right. One yeah. of them, one of them got to talk to their God. None of the other ones got to see the God or anything. Yeah. They were just on a spaceship. Then they got to Earth, and it turned out the God was evil and wanted them to do bad things. But only like they all accepted this five thousand years of doing nothing. So yeah, let me get this straight. So they were sent to planet Earth to kind of save yeah. it or do something, but they just like they just live their lives for five thousand well, years and don't do anything. Yeah, I mean, the, I mean, the, oh my God, the plan of the gods, yeah. that's just the most ludicrous part. They were sent to Earth because they wanted, because uh, there, oh, there were dinosaurs on Earth, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah, I saw, the, I saw the trailer, so I saw the oh, dinosaurs. Oh, by the way, it was a, by the way, it's a ripoff of uh, Iranian religion of Zoroastrianism, <laughs> this movie. It's a ripoff of Zoroastrianism. So you have this cult called Arsham. Which is one name of the Iranian gods, by the way. Arsham is, I think, the name of his name is Arsham is Iranian for truth or something. All right. So you got this god, Arsham. He sent, there are dinosaurs on earth, right? He's a celestial. He sends these deviants to kill the dinosaurs so there is enough humans so that they can kill the humans to, so a new celestial is born from the core of the earth, right? So, you know, very realistic. So, and then he sends the Eternals because those deviants went a bit berserk and started killing too many people. Like they killed the dinosaurs, but then they stayed around and killed the people, right? Like this is Zoroastrianism pretty much. But uh, yeah, and then they came and then the immortals came to control the population of deviants so humanity can grow. So there is enough of them to kill so uh, Celestial can be born. I see. Okay, I see. I see. Yeah. So that's the whole that was the, and And by the way, like, like right, there is genocides, all of that, that didn't affect the population. Like World <laughs> War II led to significant population reduction. But no, 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 no. Yeah, I don't know. It's, but yeah, it's, the whole thing was ludicrous. Like, they had all the powers, but they didn't interfere in anything. <laughs> but I guess the ending, the interesting thing was that the bad guy was kind of addressing the issue. The bad guy was like, I have it like what like 5,000 years of doing nothing. Now go, now you guys want to abandon ship. <laughs> so I felt for the bad guy a little. I see. And how has this movie been received? Is it being received oh, like terribly? Terribly. Thankfully. This is the first movie that immediately got terrible reviews mm-hmm. because Marvel movies, when they're awful, even they first get really good reviews. Like Thor two originally got good reviews, and then, but yeah, no, this one is they everybody hates it. It didn't sell well. Hopefully, there will be no sequels or anything. Although I doubt it because it's Marvel. They you know they don't make movies for one of them to be profitable. It's part yeah. of the whole fucking thing. Seriously. So you know. And is it a yeah. bit of like comedy or no? Like when like these guys were there for like five thousand years there, or so, is it a bit? There of- is, there is that your usual. They are trying the usual, you know, Marvel. Uh, it's that's it's not comedy. It's more just a couple of you know 
remarks and all yeah. that. They got Kamal Nanjiani, who's a fantastic actor and comedian, but he doesn't get that much time. There mm. is the best, the best person in this, the Korean guy who plays Gilgamesh. Yeah, I'm uh, looking at him right now. He's the guy who was in Train to Busan. He's a fantastic Korean actor. He's, he's the best one and he dies halfway through. Oh, no. <laughs> so, yeah. It's Angelina Jolie's... Uh, like, Angela Jolie genuinely seems pissed off about the whole thing. Like, what? Um, like, she's um, phoning it in. She's <laughs> like, um, like, her act... Like, no effort. No effort really? whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I, I, yeah. Because she's a great actress. So I, I, I think... Uh, but on the other hand, the guy who plays Icarus, who's sort of ha- like a lead bad guy, yeah, he's, which... he's putting the most like he's he's the guy who was in Game of Thrones. He's doing mm-hmm. his Hamlet. This <laughs> is his Hamlet, you know. This is his Othello, and he's this like repressed man who can't show emotions and all that. But it, yeah, it's been all the intro. I was surprised by the bad reviews though, because the director is a bit of a. Hollywood darling as well. Mm. She's the director of No Man, uh, Nomad's Land. You know the one that won the best uh, female. Yeah, yeah I think it sounds actor. familiar. It's about the lady who uh, doesn't have a like. She becomes homeless and then she has to live in these caravan like caravan like. I don't know mm. whatever they're called. But yeah, it was a yeah. So this movie made me think about our theme of are we doing enough? And relative to these gods, yeah, we are doing more than enough. <laughs> well, if others are doing enough, not the we, because we do the least of everybody <laughs> put yeah, together. <laughs> others are doing enough. Others... We, are, we are commenting on what others are yeah. doing. <laughs> but yeah, so that that's... part sounds just like funny. I feel like there could have been like a whole um what's that uh, what, what's that cat Ryan Reynolds? What are the superhero uh, movies Deadpool. that he played Deadpool, right? I mean, I Deadpool haven't. Is awesome. Yeah, I know. I haven't seen Eternals, but this just made me feel like you know, for those five thousand years, they could have just been like chilling, just drinking beers, <laughs> and just messing around, and just pushing the deadline of saving the world late. That could be an interesting twist. And oh, Salma oh. Hayek was in it too. Anything to comment there? Uh, <laughs> not true. I, I mean, you bring it up because <laughs> you went to everyone. I'm just guessing. Uh, all right, I feel like that's something that was a Freudian thing there, right? <laughs> yeah, she's great as always. I mean, it is amazing. I must say, Salma, both in this and Red Notice, she's, I believe, more than 50 years old and she's mm. as attractive as the first time I saw her on this product. So, well done there. But uh, I would say, you know. It was just the, the worst part of it was that the action scenes weren't even good. It was just oh. so unimaginative. Yeah, <laughs> it was so bad. And it was, it added to my, like, this is a, you know, you know how, like, Russians, they don't like Hollywood and stuff because in Hollywood, all the Russians are criminals or oligarchs yeah. or you know, gangsters and killers and all that. Iranians, they, we don't like Hollywood. Because they don't never mention us. <laughs> they mention Egypt. They mention... Mesopotamia, which is Iraq, <laughs> Syria, and all that. Then they suddenly jump to China, like it uh, jump to India and China. Yeah. Like, are we not part of the ancient world? Are we never gonna be mentioned in any of these goddamn movies about superheroes visiting ancient times? It's never ancient well, Persia. It's always surrounding areas, just before or after the Persian Empire. That's a good point. And I guess it doesn't go well with the narrative surrounding Iran at the moment. 
it doesn't go well with the narrative surrounding you and you know it would open a little bit of a of a box yeah yeah no no i said is do you think it's a really good point <laughs> because i feel like it's well not, it's a, but... it's a point that's <laughs> been made a, a million and 50 times but yeah to you still at least. Least. well it's a good comment a common point right and then people talk about different actors being used for what role and all that stuff that's like oh, they, they the extension of at, that conversation they went full like uh, rainbow flag uh, oh, yeah. with the uh, cast you had a, yeah, you had a brown guy black guy chinese person you know a person from europe hey, they had all of it making sure But, that you're you know. taking all the uh, boxes who was yeah. it oh, anyway Um, anything else to mention about this movie? No, Did but yeah, I, uh, yeah, it was, yeah. But I got you, movie. yeah. So that, I think I got some ideas from the thumbnails as well. So I could maybe use their faces. I mean, their bodies, yeah. Are we doing enough? Because they didn't do anything. So it goes well. So yeah, I'm glad you brought this in. Mm-hmm. Now we can also <laughs> segue to another story where... <laughs> Some, we, another which, group who are doing more than you know or yeah enough. maybe they are or maybe they're not exactly so i'm just gonna read the headline of the article and also like the second headline just so people know what the article the tag yeah. yeah so more people is the last thing this planet needs the men getting vasectomies to save the world and it's an article <clears> in the guardian so with the climate crisis becoming ever more urgent a growing number of young childless men are taking the drastic decision of being sterilized for environmental reasons well okay let's get right into it a if somebody wants to do that i'm completely okay with it i don't disagree whatsoever but then i feel like whenever people and I'm, i'll read like here's the i'll read a little sentence after i make my point they first disguise this i mean some people have heard talk about this including the example i'll give is that It's out of concern for like the climate in general and the planet in general. But then I feel like it is a bit mixed in with the fact that they believe that the world is becoming so much so bad and that the world is so bad right now that putting the climate thing aside later on, the world is going to be so bad. So you don't want to bring a kid into this world. And that's where I find or, it. Or more there is already... To- Yeah, or there is already enough kids or whatever. So here you go again, the sentence, um, this quote. Um, I th- this is someone is early 20 said this. I thought, you know what? I don't want to bring a life into this world because it's pretty shitty and it's and it is and it's only going to get worse. So, I mean, you know, I always talk about I'm always on making the same point as, you know, back in the day, the world wasn't better. So and I just think people are yeah. allowing this narrative. So this kind of makes this whole thing of doing the vasectomy for climate change. I feel like it's more with them believing that the world right now is particularly bad. Even if a lot of these people who make these points, it doesn't seem like their lives are, you know, they're not people like who are, let's say, in the worst material condition or nothing. No, they're often like students and others who work, you know, in offices or things like that in Western countries. So they're not like, you know, wondering where their next meal is going to come from. But I feel like they have this general idea, which I think is a big misperception that the world right now is particularly bad and that, you know, so you shouldn't bring anybody because of X, Y, and Z. Then we can talk about the climate change stuff, which I think there is 
even there I disagree, but I think there's more merit to that conversation. But this part really bugs me. And I've, you know, watched and read other segments with people who make this exact same point. What do you make of that? Or if you want to start talking from a different angle and then get there? No, I look. The thing is, I kind of, I'm a bit harsher than you, and I'm surprised. I actually, I, I sent this article too because, again, it's an example of a liberal re- religion and personal virtue signaling, I think. That, that, look, for example, let me read this last paragraph. This is, I think, the last paragraph. Yes. So this is a guy, uh, uh, Williamson. Uh, so... Uh, yeah, this is the guy who said there are more, I don't know if you read that, there are more than enough children. But anyway, Williamson says he cried after his procedure, but with relief. It was such a weight off of my mind. After having all that uncertainty about bringing someone into this world, he says. He says he wishes that government were doing more to legislate for the climate crisis <laughs> before sharing his thoughts about what is known as bystander apathy. A lot of people are happy to point and say that's wrong or film it on their I'm sorry, but not having a kid is not something to not something to do. Your audio cut off literally halfway through that. Can you reread? No, no, it has nothing to do with that psychication thing. And maybe in the recording it'll be there. So can you just reread the last two sentences? Sure. Uh, Before sharing his thoughts about what is known as bystander apathy, a lot of people are happy to point and say that's wrong or film it on their phone. He says, I look at the word and say that's not right. I'm going to try to do something about it. So I'm sorry, but you know, not having a kid is not some, is not doing something about climate crisis. You know, that's the thing. They, you know, it's like people uh, who say, "Oh, we, I don't want to be a vegetarian because of climate crisis," or "I don't want to be a vegetarian because I want to change the world," or "I want to." I want to be a vegetarian. Changing... You mean? No, or mean... I am a vegetarian. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah, I'm just saying that these choices are good, some of them. I mean, I'm uh, as I'm not pro having a lot of children or in, I, I think there should be family planning and uh, uh, governmental uh, family, uh, you know, control over these some regulations and stuff. But I don't think my personal decisions regarding these matters are having global effects. You know, this is the I am the center of the universe. The decision I make about my penis. Shall I have my penis opened or closed? Like, oh, come yeah. on. Unless, I, you're, I unless so- you happen to be of a much larger, larger movement. Yeah, unless like, you're Jeff Bezos. And you no, know, unless there are a lot of people doing this. Oh, okay. But then, yeah, yeah then yeah. it doesn't have with your individual. Yeah, I have the same problem. And in fact, if you think in such an individual way, if they were just a bit optimistic, they could just have a kid, right? And you just need two people for this math to work out. They just have a kid. Okay. And to that kid, they teach all the ways of being more environmentally and climate conscious and all this. And then their kid just goes. That and... kid becomes president. No, no, no. He doesn't need to go that far. <laughs> he just convinces one other person when he's older to change their life or two. And then by those two people changing their lives, he can offset all of his own emissions. And in fact, perhaps reduce the impact that those two nah. people would have without their presence so if you're thinking in such a <laughs> no, in such wait, an wait, individual wait. way so no, look, wait, i go are... meet a friend no, no. i go meet a friend no wait, who only... are... no wait wait 
I, I'm, I feel like I'm like Keynes here, like economic Keynes. And you, you just come up with a Ponzi scheme, basically, to justify, like, if you can find three people that they don't use cars, then that, and they find three people that they need to use. No, they this don't even like need to go that level far. Marketing. It stops right there. It stops at those two other people. That's all you need. So then you go, you can have your kid who is not only offsetting his own emissions, maybe even helping. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's yeah. actually making the world less polluted by changing the behavior of just one or two people. But I really think that even if there are like 500 people out there, and actually I'll read a few numbers here, who are doing okay. like the whole um, vasectomy thing and they claim it's about climate change and all this, it seems to me, based on this article and a few other times I've heard these people speak, it's a complete like... And they just like, I don't know, they watch too much mainstream news or what. And they just think that the world is particularly crappy right now, which I would argue isn't. And the world has always been crappy for some people and it's for all, everyone and always been good. Yeah, crappy. it's just exactly yeah. different um, things In fact, I would say happiness. The only way, the only value judgment I would make is that before antibiotics, we were slightly worse than we mm. are after antibiotics. That's the one material, real substantive change. But and, and steam engines that they help. So, uh, uh, but, but do you want to read the data, or I wanted to read another paragraph? No, read another to, paragraph. To, oh man, these people are crazy. Like this is the thing; these people are crazy, uh, and like I, I don't know, like they have so much extra time. And that's why I guess I'm surprised why there is not enough time to set up a third political party in the US. <laughs> but look at this. There is hope that the climate crisis may burnish the vasectomy's progressive image. What the what? Vasectomy has a progressive image? I didn't know. <laughs> In 2012, Jonathan Stack, a 64-year-old American filmmaker, co-founded World Vasectomy Day, a campaign dedicated to tackling the stigma and myths surrounding the modern vasectomy. I'm sorry. There is isn't. There, like, there, for there for is, people who I, already have kids, is like the, the stigma is absolutely <laughs> gone. Go, this is they're trying to make vasectomy like men's abortion rights fight or something i mean what well, get over yourself what, the, all the misconceptions about vasectomy let me continue stack had one himself after having three children it's about gen look i mean this is nonsense this is like i love it because they're both progressive but they're part of that sort of men equal movements as well this is a quote it's about gender equity, family planning, and more responsible, more responsible masculinity. He tells me from his home in New York. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, but you're wasting your life and other people's money. Word vasectomy day, or this going probably going around Texas, like guys. Uh, like, are there illegal vasectomies being done, <laughs> leading to deaths of people? Like, you know, from... Man, but, and by the way, the whole, like, the beginning of the uh, article is all about the fact that 
vasectomy, vasectomy procedure has become so basically non-invasive and yeah. now they do it through a hole or whatever. So it's like, what, what is this? Like, you're, which group are you defending? What, <laughs> what is this social group you're creating? Oh, people who want to get vasectomy. But the society is too, it's too conservative, you know, I can't do this. My family, they, they you know, they cut off relations. With me. Just go do it. <laughs> but I mean, honestly, it's the perfect way, level of craziness because it, it, it can only For affect guardian. you. It can only affect you, right? I mean, like you getting a vasectomy won't affect me. I mean, maybe your family no. and stuff will be disappointed no, a bit, it, but... <laughs> Camille, you're wrong. It will change the world. My decision to use a to use a paper bag again instead of a plastic bag that changes the world, Camille. Well, Did you know that? If the government forces everybody if, to use yes, paper bags exactly, exactly. over plastic bags, now we're talking. That's one of my. By the way, like if like one of the specific policies I want a government to do is ban plastic packaging. Like mm. it's proven to be unhealthy now, but I always said it's so shitty, it's so annoying, and you have plastic packaging is more efficient. It's more even paper bags. They can make it paper bags. Yeah, I it can be like constantly recycled to another paper bag and paper packaging. I mean, like I don't mm. understand why when we buy crisps, they're in plastic packages. Put them in yeah. paper packages. I mean that. I mean. <laughs> That's at least or that's a useful or, use of a package. I mean, what they do with like fruits and stuff in all countries, and oh, it's not only yeah, Western oh. countries. I see videos all the Most time of Eastern everywhere. countries. They like literally like sell apples and different fruits in like plastic. Palast- I mean, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. absolutely the most useless thing I've ever it's seen. Not. And by the way, the fruits like yeah, this. The trend is moving towards this, but in Iran, you still like the better looking the fruit is the worse it tastes guys true yeah. fruits the smaller the more fucked up they look they're more delicious so right. you know I, I mean i don't mean it's rotten food but you know i'm what gonna I mean, come back right? to fruits at the end actually i'll tell you something funny but i'll just write this down so i don't forget but no, but come here you yeah you're wrong and every personal decision i make is the most important like every time i don't you know, drive, I'm saving the world. Okay. So I'm my presence. I mean, you definitely feel better about yourself. That's definitely true. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. And that's good enough. That yeah. should be good enough. You know, that should be good enough for you. No, I have to write an article saying it's about changing the world. I mean, to be fair, the article is actually Or couple good. it with yeah. something changing the world. Yeah. So I don't know, like I'm yeah, vegan, yeah. but I don't Everything claim I'm changing the world because I barely talk about it just to myself. Now, if I set up organizations and go, I don't know, force the government to change the meal plan in schools or something, then, push yeah. them to change then that, then we're talking. That's for sure. But the vasectomy, the only thing that to be serious worries me a bit is that like, people should at least wait until there's some in their thirties and stuff. I mean, there's so many other ways if you're that it's progressive and you know, well, actually we'll get to that for a second. I think kind of, but, and um, you know, if you're that progressive and you know so much about the world, I'm sure, you know, other ways without the woman having to take also contraceptive pills and all this to not get your partner, whoever you're with pregnant, there are numerous ways. I won't, elaborates <laughs> too much but this is what i enjoy I, by the- let's go no no let's discuss details <laughs> but i'm glad that the nhs and the uk also see it that way because check out this paragraph while there are no laws on the age at which men the uk can get a vasectomy the nhs and the nhs 
advises that they may be likely to be accepted if they're older than 30. So your GP, so you're a it's like general doctor or whatever, can refuse general practitioner. General practitioner can refuse to carry out the procedure if they don't believe it's in your own interest. And I think you know that's, that's good, not a bad thing. Sense. Yeah, no, no, go and come feel back. Health, go, like a health reason. Come back but in I four years. I, no, but it makes sense above eighteen. I guess you know. No, like even that because eighteen. That. We've decided. Well, yeah, we let some so, people do you, adults you should, and stuff. But, oh. But you should be allowed to have the power over the destiny of the nation's economy. Huh? Yeah, so maybe that you want... shouldn't be too, you know. I, that I agree. All right. That I agree, okay. you know. Let's move. Yeah, I, I would agree with moving everything except the alcohol to 30. Yeah, yeah the alcohol. <laughs> we I mean, won't that's... screw up future generations anymore. <laughs> no. then. We've already had alcohol <laughs> stay. No, that I promise to future generations. And that generation. should be even lower. <laughs> yeah. That should be lower to five. <laughs> yeah, I won't put anybody through that. So you have my word. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and talking yeah. about the reversals. Um, so the NHS guidance says that reversals are unreliable with a success rate of 55% within 10 years and only 25% thereafter. So, I mean, I guess you have, if, oh. if you reverse it, go immediately make kids because <laughs> it seems like you have a short window. You have a bit, uh, nice. I, I mean, it's a, yeah, I, I mean, as you said, there are other ways that seem more, dra less drastic than yeah. this. But uh, yeah, it was, I, I, the article was actually quite good, though. I, I, I must no, say that I didn't want to make fun of the writer, but the people discussed by the writer were just amazing, fantastic yeah. people. Very self-involved, let's say. Yeah. So. And again, the world has always been shitty. It's not a particularly bad time and everything. And this is just... I mean, look, Unfortunately, if you wanna... from case to I... case, yes, but... Yeah, you have to give what is your definition of bad right now? Do you mean like absolute bad? What is, yeah, exactly. If you just talk in general terms, whatever, yeah. climate, yeah, anyway. You know, it's and, not worse or it's not better. It is, you know, as, as Deleuze, by the way, again, coming back to him, says there is no need to fear or hope. Hmm. It is what it is. Yeah, that's a good one. But um, yeah, and then do you want to touch on the climate change a little bit? So this I found a bit interesting. Um, a study in 2017 said the single most effective action an individual could take in terms of helping the planet was having one fewer child. This would save more than 25 times the emission of the next biggest undertakings, which is living without a car and avoiding long haul flights. Um, oh, so that proves your point a bit. But again, it comes back to no, me no, no, that no, I was. I forgot about the cars thing. That's why I was because I don't like. I didn't know yeah. not driving a car is that important. I mean, you know, I'm also I'm vegan, and I would love if you hear a lot about the impact of food. You hear a lot, a lot, a lot about it on climate change and everything. But when you go and look at those general breakdowns, those graphs of the sectors, the transportation sector and the whole energy sector they still seem to be really, 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 really the main biggest culprits. So moving away from fossil fuels still seems to be the absolute biggest one. Although I know that um, food also, from, what we from eat what also has a contribution, but the, the main graphs the show that. Yeah, No, the thing is, I think transportation is fossil fuel, but I would imagine food is more to do with biodiversity and 
um, if, you know, other, like there's well, variety of environmental issues. Yeah, yeah. no, I'm talking but about climate imagine, change and CO2 emissions. Climate change, yeah. But, but uh, yeah, I mean, look, again, that's the thing though. I mean, this is study kind of, yeah, I, I do think, but then again, I, how do you get there? How do you get to a point where people have fewer children? You can't do it by writing, like hoping that people make the right choice. There should be governmental family planning, education for all, you know, that type of thing has proven to reduce. And that's Sorry, only please. one part. And that's only one part. So even like I've said before, even if you cut the world's population in half, but people, some people still consume even more and you increase the consumption. It's not going to do anything um, to combat climate change. I, I know. That's, I mean, we have a disagreement over that. I do think if you have a lower population, it would be easier to organize society mm. and get to certain goals. But yeah, I understand your point. Exactly. Mm. Like, for example, I fly, uh, but I don't uh, drive or uh, eat meat so yeah. what, you know what i mean like if you get it at the individual level none of this makes any sense really. yeah yeah but i mean you're right the article overall wasn't actually bad or cringe no it was a couple of funny people yeah. in it though yeah this is good to read check it out yeah but this hopelessness i mean i guess there's always been generations and people who are like hopeless and i think like the world is so bad right now but don't take it out on yourself <laughs> don't, people don't like have the vasectomy <laughs> <laughs> or at least wait until your mid thirties, if you ask me. But have up you to heard you. of? Have you heard of this thing called uh, Durex? <laughs> this brand. <laughs> but, uh, oh. I think it's with people wanting to be a special. As a boy, you know, our time either has to be the best time ever or the worst time ever. It can't be just. It is what it is. Just, and it will be what it will. Like it's not. Nothing is special about anything. <laughs> So just chill out. That's what yeah. I would say. That's what I think. And I mean, you know, maybe I'm wrong, but yeah, before there was World War II, this kind of racism, that kind of sexism, and now there's climate change and this and that. And after climate change, because in 40, 50 years, we're not going to reverse all the different impacts that climate change will climate, be having. It's constant. On, yeah. And I mean, but the, the part where the fossil fuel is contributing oh, to right. it, okay. that part is going to be addressed in whether it's 50 years or 60 years. And then there'll be another problem that we'd have to <laughs> work on and way, so on and I, so forth. No. And the, for example, when I say I'm worried about population, it's because I think, yeah, climate change will kill numerous number of people. So if we get ahead of it and plan for it, maybe we can reduce are damaged, you know, and less people will die, less people be forced to migrate, blah, 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 right? Uh, you know, it's not that we can completely change the world. You know what I mean? Like, you know, we can get ahead of it. It's happening yeah. for sure. And no, nothing can be fully solved and fully exactly. gotten rid of. That's why whenever you hear things like end racism or like end X, Y, Z, no, reduce racism. I mean, I just find whenever your goal is to completely end just something, that just, even. yeah, exactly. That just shows that you're being naive and it's just some buzz or even worse than naive. You're not being naive, you're being disingenuous to an extent. Sometimes, if you think yeah. things will I think these guys were end. naive, except the guy who set up the organization. The other, I mean, you, they got vasectomy, so I guess they're <laughs> true believers. <laughs> yeah, no, at any... least they, they walk the talk. <laughs> Yeah, that's it's a true. Yeah, that's can't say they're grifters or anything. But this is actually funny. It's gonna link in a way to my 
um, to our question of the week that we're going to do at the end, which is what's our most conservative point of view. But yeah, anything else with this article? I appreciate you sharing this with me. That was a lot of fun. I appreciate uh, you reading it. I don't know. Or surprisingly, we didn't disagree on this. So. <laughs> well, <laughs> having said that, <laughs> I feel we are being used. used. <laughs> <laughs> Having said that, I hate you. <laughs> no, I, I yeah, no, it's I. You went very polite there. I wasn't expecting it. Sorry. <clears throat> All right, Sam. Let's move on to progressive geopolitics now. Got a few stories here, and yeah, let's start off with with the UK. So Boris Johnson has been, you know, embroiled in this scandal, which I mean, I do find ridiculous. I understand the hypocrisy and the lying about it and stuff, but you know. Nobody cared about his mismanagement with the Brexit thing where, you know, they didn't what Brexit and everything happens, but they hadn't thought about getting truck drivers and all this, like enough of them. But this really seems to be sticking. So what is it about again? And also, what is what's the latest? Well, it's about number 10, prime minister of the UK office, having a party when having parties was illegal and all that a long and time ago now so it, a year it's like, ago a year. no a year and a half now no, isn't it from like april new and, year christmas i heard it was I from it was... june 2020 oh yeah yeah this one yes 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 you're right i think you're right so you know it's but... a year and a half ago now but anyway mm. it was i understand why where a lot of the anger comes from but no, I mean, look, I mean, I... But yeah, continue telling the story. I think, I think most of the anger is coming from basically, you know, people that are, occupy the Guardian and that mm. type of places, you know, the journalists. Really. I don't think most people care because most people knew that these guys are probably doing yeah. this anyway. So, you know, they're not outraged. But yeah, this, part, this whole party saga has become a... a really amazing basically part of the british politics they were calling for uh, boris johnson to basically uh, quit uh, last uh, couple of days but i think they failed he basically made this quick public apology uh, in the quest prime minister's question time and he seems to have placated i don't think he was scared ever to be forced to resign over this i think they really were hoping for too much. But the interesting thing is that the leader of Tories in Scotland, uh, leader of Conservatives mm -hmm. in Scotland, he said he should step down and resign. So I think, the, in fact, the, I'm sad to say, I think the, what do they say? The leader of the uh, Scottish Tories, you know, I think he's, he's going to go soon. <laughs> because I think, Barry, yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, Boris Johnson is somebody who doesn't get fucked. He fucks people. So. Yeah. Somehow. It's unclear how. <laughs> it's <laughs> but... unclear how, considering his lampoonish behavior. But yeah. yes. Because, yeah. I mean, but, you know, like, I get it. I mean, if you're, if the main point that people in The Guardian and all this made that, you know, it's government mm -hmm. and like authority, hypocrisy, and them telling the people to do one thing and them doing another Yes, I 100% understand that. But is that the biggest example? I mean, if we're going to go based on these things, there are a million exactly. of them. That's are the there thing. not far, 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 far worse things that he's done that will also make him seem like a hypocrite and were like so much worse for everybody in the UK and other places in the world? I'm sure there are 
a bunch of them. So just holding no, on yes. to this, it just, you the know, kind of shows I mean, your true colors as well, I find. Exactly. And the journalist, worse than that, like you, again, yeah, this is a hypocritical action and it's wrong to do when you're setting rules for others, blah, blah, blah. But like, yeah, exact compared to other things they do, this is like a yeah. joke, man. Like, you know, I remember Leon Fox was a f- foreign secretary at some point, and he would have his best friend traveling around with him, <laughs> like uh, handing out, you know, cards for his private business and all yeah. that. And then uh, all, uh, you know, a lot of these outlets that are, critic- you know, then they would have him on as a uh, opinion writer, you know, for a, uh, issue or something so i mean you guys are uh, like you have this relationship with them that you constantly then have them back on and then yeah it's just the whole thing is just not you know it's a much to do m- much to do about uh, nothing but you know yeah exactly right. i wonder how much of like you know like the population or like the working class well, <laughs> care about this this kind of story because i mean it's just I mean, or, yeah, yeah, sure. He was a hypocrite. They had a party in their office thing while people weren't allowed to. I mean, yeah. it's a small. You know what it kind of reminds me of? It's yeah, like, Boris Johnson is a hypocrite. What a surprise! <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> that new. really blew our minds. But uh, the best part of it, though, was this again. This trip, trip first, like. Oh, I I wasn't aware there was parties. Oh, I may have gone to a party. <laughs> Oh, okay. I may have been at the party for 25 minutes. Oh, okay. There were champagnes. All right. There were some jello shots. Okay. We ordered the prostitutes. All right. It's just, it keeps getting this person. All right. It was on the eve of Prince Philip's funeral. Okay. You know, it's just, it's just degenerating. I, okay. I did coax of a stripper's belly. Are you happy now? Will you leave me alone? When my wife was giving birth to my son at the hospital. Yeah. Yes, are you happy? <laughs> yes. I don't have family values. Do you want anything else you need to yeah. while we're oh, at yeah. it? But you know what it kind of reminds me of? It's like the Democrats going after Trump and trying to impeach him on like Ukraine Bullshit or like stuff. Russia. Yeah. I'm like, if you guys were genuine and you know you're really honest, you would His go after him some are... far more serious stuff. But of course, you can't go after him over those things because he can just turn around and point the finger at you. So you find and legally one, would be but, tro- yeah, half of your friends are gonna become targets exactly. as well. You know, yeah. so you find some little thing and turn it into you know. I mean, if you the were actually to yeah, if you were actually to like um, uh, what's like step down over this, I mean, it would be a, a ridiculous thing you know you would never have a prime minister again in the uk <laughs> i mean if that's the, <laughs> that's the level of hypocrisy that you yeah. can handle <laughs> no yeah that's true like compared to the scandals again that uh, boris johnson has had even <laughs> like you know, this is nonsense I- including handling of covid uh, pandemic yeah. like in terms of like hospitals and all that so yeah but but again i'm just uh, uh, it's just great when you see these uh, prime minister question times when become basically mm-hmm. these boarding school bully like you know he, he's talking and they're going from the other side and he's going no no it's fun i like it i really enjoy it it's democracy at work at its best but yeah nice okay good stuff there is it the end of this story you think or 
I, oh no no because there's a report coming out there's yeah. a report come it's so funny because there's this uh, there's this person who's like basically she's responsible for uh, investigating if ministers have done wrong and she's only answerable to prime minister but now she has to investigate <laughs> prime minister so it's, the whole thing is just amazing but by the way I, i i support fusion of power in a political system but it does lead to situations like this when the king like okay you're The person who's going to investigate me, go ahead, find something wrong. Come on, do it. I dare you. <laughs> so it could lead to that. So, yeah. So, yeah, we shall see. But all right, let's move on to the UK's neighbor, France. And this kind of surprise, I mean, not surprise you, you know, in France, they do a lot of strikes. And I believe, you know, many claim that a lot of things that were achieved in France came through strikes. I haven't looked at it closely, but it does make sense to have strikes. all the time, all kind. And this is, this isn't, I mean, their ability to get this many people to strike at the same time is, is interesting. So this is according to trade unions, but the government put the figure at half, which is that 75% of teachers, of primary teachers from all across the country and 62% of secondary teachers went on strike on Thursday. I mean, the figures, really, that's kind of what caught my attention. Now, the government is saying that, no, it was half of that. But, yeah, half of schools closed over these strikes. So, I mean, what's it for? So, yeah, I'll tell you what it's about. It's over the government's COVID-19, like, changing the, changing the COVID-19, like, measures and regulations when it comes to school on, a, like, nonstop. So, apparently, they change them, like, three times. So, it's not necessary that there are people who are, like, anti this measure anti that measure just saying that the government because the french government is also very like proud and macron is that they only they're like the second country apparently to have closed their schools the least during the pandemic but the teachers are saying but now that you're just switching the rules all the time non-stop apparently you had to get tests like yeah you know, your kids tested if there was just one case So everybody had to get tested. So people were spending, like, sure, their kids were able to go to school, but they were spending mm. hours trying to get, you know, tests all the time, get them getting tested. And the teachers were saying that, you know, the school right now has just turned into more of like a daycare and that we can't oh. be teaching in these situations with you, with you, the, the government not informing us of what the new measures us and us finding out through the media and them changing all the time so that was it but that was kind of the reason why they went on strike you know and of course macron is going to be running for re-election very soon and That's... stuff so probably not the best time but their ability to you know uh, you know to put strikes and all this i mean in the u.s you read some similar stories like right now but it's like you know x amount of teachers in like this district in new jersey <laughs> you know i don't want to <laughs> undermine that but this like The fact that it's like yeah. you know, the whole country at the country level that the whole yeah, strikes like amazing. this, you know, whether they achieve what they want or not, all that is a different story, but it's just... It's what just... is? Do they specifically have demands of closure or... No, like it's not closure. It's just, yeah, it's just like, yeah, more like consistent regulation, them being informed more in advance based on what I've heard and like Makes improving sense. kind of the remote... Um, the remote slash and in-school balance of teaching, you know, they're kind of saying that this way that's going right now, it's not hard. And also they're saying that they think they're putting a lot of the burden on them 
to you know for checking if they should come and they can't and testing and all this i believe they they switched the testing from it being done in schools to like the parents so that also <clears throat> created so yeah it's just the inconsistency of the measures i think and the way that they're being that they're learning about these measures so yeah this happened yesterday so i don't know anything will come out of it or not but the 75 percent figure was a very nice and strategic figure by the communication <laughs> department of the trade union so whether if it's 75 or what but Real that figure or... caught my attention <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's for sure if it was a bit higher lower and then we don't do too many covid stories but this is another one and i mean you know whether the authorities did this for their own reason or because they're saying you know because they learned about the omicron variant being relatively shorter the incubation time but in switzerland so let me read it they've cut down they've cut down so and this they made this decision like two days and it was implemented already yesterday so the qu quarantine and isolation periods for people who are symptomatic has been has gone down to seven and from 10 to five days and isolation That's also from 10 to seven so let me just read it properly here the decision involves cutting the quarantine and isolation periods to five days from seven and 10 days respectively. So whether you're quarantined or isolated and only those people in close contact with an infected person would be subjected to the rules. So, um, you know, I mean, you can, it's the, maybe the government behaving in a way that will be beneficial to the population, although maybe they themselves were scared that, you know, half the country was going to be in isolation <laughs> and quarantine <laughs> if you went forward this way. And this follows what the CDC also did in the UK. They, uh, sorry, in the US, they the cut US. it down from 10 days exactly. to five. So this was in that's, that in that vein. On this issue, I'm not really educated enough. Or, But it's funny that you have one narrative, which is like, yeah, they want to do close the schools. We shouldn't, you know, let fear and all that. They fear mongered before. Look how now suddenly they're relaxing. And then you have another narrative that I saw Katie Halper was sort of pushing. By the way, fantastic shows as always. Uh, was pushing that, you know, that, um, that maybe it's the big businesses that are lobbying CDC because, for example, air industry or I don't mm -hmm. know, whatever industry needs people to go back to work faster or whatever so yeah it's fast i mean i have no idea but it's yeah i mean as long as the decisions seem to be made you know as long as whatever the reason is and if it ends to you know as long something as it's that, medically accurate uh, uh, as yeah, accurate as the, possible as possible and yes. improves to leads to improving people's lives as much as possible so you know this part you can tell that the swiss government you know they weren't dogmatic about it and you know they're saying it's because of so the interior minister said there is scientific evidence that the time of incubation infection with the omicron variant is relatively short and therefore long periods of isolation quarantine didn't make sense so what if that's really the reason i convinced them or they're like you know um we're not gonna have anybody working and that's gonna bite us on the ass whatever it is um you know it's a decent a decent move and i believe also for people who aren't asymptomatic there are even thoughts and conversations about people who aren't asymptomatic what should be done with them you know like learning more and more about the virus and i'm fine with the measures and rules changing all the time you, know, you, you can't expect yeah, governments or anybody or scientists to know everything from day one so you know as long as 
done in a semi-structured and systematic no, way. I think changes. they shouldn't have come out so in a, such a bellicose manner in day one saying some stuff. Oh, 100%. Because exactly, like anybody who knows anything about science knows that they're going to fucking change that. No. <laughs> every yeah. other week, there is an article about how caffeine is going to give you cancer. Next <laughs> yeah. week, another article, caffeine is going to cure your cancer. So, No, I mean, my parents were here when the whole Omicron wave hit so i saw a lot of mainstream media and i mean the fear-mongering and the shit that they were saying on mainstream media and like the way they made this so that is also true i mean the mainstream media that's all they do non-stop especially you know mainstream mainstream in you know the u.s and all that so, yeah so that is 100 percent true as well yeah no I, yeah it's an interesting uh, topic so it's an interesting development as the as the virus as everybody knows changes and you know we learn new things and it affects people in different ways as we go forward can't stay dogmatic with whichever side of the debate you felt we, to be fair with anything really i'm yeah, yeah. willing to abandon all my brief beliefs in face of new evidence yeah in a second it can be hard sometimes because sometimes you become so emotionally attached to them but Okay, so that was our little um, COVID news stories. Let's move on now. Let's move on to Iran and the nuclear deal. <laughs> Speaking of, like, one day hearing this, one day hearing that, this doesn't even have anything to do with science, but I feel like the headlines one day is like, no hope, hope, no hope, hope. So what's the latest? Latest was hope. <laughs> till a couple of, uh, till I think a few hours ago when Blinken came out, Anthony Blinken, the Secretary of State, came out and said that, uh, there are only a few weeks till, like, uh, there is only a few weeks left to, for, for, as a chance to make a deal. So I think we are back to sort of no hope or central because there were, yeah, there were a lot of positive uh, signs and there were a lot of st- uh, talks both inside Iran and outside Iran that, you know, there are leaks that, you know, they have made progress and all that. But yeah, I mean, don't hold your breath. Okay, I'm guessing that's the summary of the whole story. <laughs> that's pretty much, yeah. Um, I, yeah, there are leaks that the talks are going good, but then Blinken said that. Oh, oh there is another update, I would say. There was rocket attacks on um, American embassy in Iraq, hmm. and uh, America blames Iranian-backed militia. Iran denies that, so those led to increased tensions as well, apparently, like there were... Uh, like Americans were warning, uh, like warning Iranian officials through Iraqi officials that you know, you know, be careful. I see. <laughs> they were backed, 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 backed by Iranians. <laughs> I wonder how far the chain can go. In, I mean, can you can you imagine doing like the following the paper trailing <laughs> post-war Iraq? Like Jesus Christ. <laughs> hey, this one goes to Japan, then gets sent back to Iran. <laughs> With a pit stop. Probably <laughs> UAE. Yeah. <laughs> All right. But yeah. Backed, 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 backed. Backed. But okay. All right. That's that. And what about Kazakhstan? Anything noteworthy to mention? Well, Kazakhstan was an interesting case, and I'm glad we didn't do two. We did only one video, like the day or the day after it has started. Apparently, it was, it's really interesting. Uh, first of all, uh, let me just introduce this journalist, this lady. Uh, sorry, my 
her name is Joanna Lillis, uh, author of Dark Shadows and works for Eura Eurasia Net. She was invited to everything during mm -hmm. the last two weeks. She was invited to DW, France 24, The Hill. She was mm -hmm. everywhere because I think she's the only person who knows about Kazakhstan. <laughs> but uh, so according to her and some other reports, it may have started as a popular uh, like unrest, but it very quickly apparently got taken over by the old guard. So I don't know if anybody saw our last video. There is this old guy who's 80 something, uh, Nur Sultan, if I'm not mistaken. He was the old dictator. And everybody, like I, I don't follow Kazakhstani politics. So I assumed he's still the guy in charge because he, a couple of years ago, he took the late, he took the title of uh, father of the nation. But so he was like sort of ceremonially, but the prime minister was this new guy, Kasem Tokayev, I believe. And then apparently it seems whether the popular unrest was organic or whether it was stimulated by the old guard, suddenly it was taken over by violent groups. Vans of cars were prepared uh, to hand out guns. And then the head of security forces, who I believe is the groom of the Nur Sultan, the head of security forces, is, or has some familiar relations with the old dictator. He was arrested immediately. Mm -hmm. I mean, as everybody knows, the uh, Russian and other national forces as a part of the security alliance that some uh, post-Soviet countries have, they came and they stayed for a couple of days. They are quickly being back, redeployed back to uh, Russia. Uh, they uh, so it seems it was a bit of an internal struggle that for now Kasem Tokayev has won. He has uh, quickly promised economic reforms and political reforms and all that. Uh, so you know, uh, and, and uh, so that's the former guard leader. No, no, this is, this the, is the new guard. The new guard, okay. Yeah, the younger he, guy that he, he put in charge. Yeah, he had uh, some of the people connected with the mm -hmm. old leader, including the head of security. Uh, arrested. Uh, okay, you know. I see. So for now, it seems that he's the one who's uh, winning. Okay, yeah, you know, interesting. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, it's and it started off with, you know, with oil prices going like doubling, apparently, right? Oh, petrol, petrol, petrol. prices, D doubling or tripling. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, yeah. But okay, yeah, yeah, it's a, it became a very, uh, it became a bit of a geopolitical, uh, you know, Americans never, uh, refuse a chance to have a dig at russia so mm -hmm. they were they said that they were worried about the you know forces being deployed and all that and it's you know yeah and they already... so, like yeah we support like talks with the <laughs> protesters and all that but it does, didn't seem to amount to much the tokayev guys seem to have i mean al jazeera was reporting today that it was very quiet and calm and I see. I also heard another geopolitical um, angle to this. I think the Al Jazeera video you had, short, you had shared, which had to do with China. And so the fact that, you oh, know, yeah. that China they invited, has a lot of economic yeah, that they invited Russian, the Russian forces to come and help them, help them out. And they didn't resort to some forces and connected to, to China. And they were saying, you know, this was a kind of big win for Russia to retain Kazakhstan into its kind of quote unquote sphere it of influence. Was. Fair, yeah, I think it was, but at the same time, yeah, they have they have completely different, uh, you know, operations. Mm -hmm. There, China is 
economic mostly Russia they are part of a security alliance mm. like Russia was technically obligated so I see <laughs> yeah and I'd seen this funny story also in Kazakhstan I mean, this is really funny and and, and minor <laughs> which is that the UN slams Kazakhstan after soldiers seen wearing UN helmets amid unrest so some of the soldiers <laughs> Who had gone, I guess, to you know, For to you counter are. the protesters. They were wearing the peacekeeping hats, the blue peacekeeping hats, which are you know for UN missions. So they have nothing to do with that. But I'm guessing they're probably low on helmets. <laughs> they didn't know what to wear. And the Kazakh Kazakhstan, this is as part of their official response. They said, except for the helmets that were worn as part of the official gear of local peacekeepers during the high threat no un marked equipment was used so they're saying okay this one we did but there was nothing else we didn't use your pillow okay yeah. chill out <laughs> but yeah so i, I mean, mean whether they yeah. used it intentionally to make it seem like it was the un which of course the un peacekeeping forces do complete different things they don't just pop up in a country like that and counter protest <laughs> or maybe they genuinely like didn't have any helmets and like listen from my mission back in Congo <laughs> five years ago, I still have this helmet. Should I put it on? Yeah, this guy, yeah. he left. He, they, you went when they left. They left his helmets. I don't know. But yeah, yeah. Well, as always, UN is tackling the real issues. <laughs> but okay, anything else? Um, anything on Russia, Ukraine here that you have that you like to discuss? Oh yeah. Well, the Ukraine. Uh, Uh, charade continues <laughs> in a way and it doesn't seem to be I don't know where it's going to be honest it's just quiet but it was really funny because you had Wendy Sherman I don't know if you know her but she got uh, shipped off to negotiate with Russians oh and the fox the silver fox the, the silver fox. fox the silver fox let me tell you about the silver fox's past experiences <laughs> include negotiations over the missile programs of North Korea And we know how well that turned out. Under Clinton, right? Under Clinton. I mean, before that, by the way, she was also a social worker and mm -hmm. an activist, which, by the way, in my view, yeah. Yeah. Like, anyway, like she should, like that's the background. You know, you should have people with more substance. Anyway, she, she works for the think tank right now, Al Albright, Madeleine Albright's think tank. She works wow. for Anyway, yeah, I know. But then she basically she had these negotiations with North Koreans. Then George Bush and those guys, no cons, came in and they basically destroyed everything. Mm -hmm. she, then she headed the negotiations with Iran for a while. And then Mr. Trump came in and destroyed mm -hmm. all of that. So her expect I don't know, I don't know what the Guardian and Independent and all these people get. Like, what are you talking about? The silver fox mm -hmm. of US negotiations. Like, I mean, the, What are you talking about? Like two times she negotiated. Like how should the Russians trust her in any shape or form? That yeah. her, you know what I mean? Like it's, yeah, that was quite funny. And then you sent me a picture of what was it? The Economist? Oh cover, my God, yeah. That with the Russia, what was on his lap? It was a gun or something? Yeah, yeah, it was a gun. Oh. As if, you know, he. I mean, I'll put the picture. Yeah, as if brought he's it like, up. you know. I'll, bring, I'll yeah. put it up. But I mean, I'm, I still think that, you know, I don't have, I haven't looked at any scientific papers on this or anything, but I'm pretty sure the like Western media's coverage of Russia is one of the worst and like the Putin one and just how childish they, they make it's it. The, uh, 
I don't know about you can't say worst or best, but it's definitely one of the most negative. Yeah, like and childish. I, I mean, so childish. childish right? yeah. I mean, so based on their narrative and the way they guy, put it, yeah. you remove Putin and they shouldn't like that's it. Then Russia is the world's Russia is greatest. The, America, place. really. Yeah, which except I'm except sure one all day the Russians, <laughs> except all the Russians that go to America to obviously you know. Uh, uh, traffic girls and become gangsters <laughs> and all that, which are you know in movies they're discussed heavily. Yeah. So there's two I mean, kinds of there's that, you know, there's Putin gangsters <laughs> and normal Russians. There is no. Yeah, I mean they make just such a caricature of the Russians and stuff. Doesn't do anyone any any favors, but you know that's mainstream media for you, and it's not a new thing. Mainstream media has been. Yeah, Russia this. thingy has been in, since nineteen forties, <laughs> I believe, late nineteen forties. Something happened then. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> all right. So yeah, that was it. To be honest, it was a very funny that I saw that all these articles written about the silver fox and you know all that. But I think it's gonna end up what we guessed. Probably it's gonna end up with Eastern Ukraine being absorbed into Russia and you know Ukraine becoming a small Eastern. Ukraine, yeah, and then Ukraine becoming a smaller because I can't see Americans or Europeans putting up a fight against Russia. All right, Sam, let's move on to some quick hitters right now. So the first story, I really included it because I wanted to show off my knowledge of NFTs. So I'm going to read a little word, a little segment. I want to see if you pick up on the word that I want you to ask me about. But pretty much the the story is that Quentin Tarantino wants to turn the script for Pulp Fiction, which he wrote and directed anything into NFTs and sell them. And pretty much the company that, you know, then bought the rights and whatever, they're like, hold on, buddy, you can't do this. If you do this, we'll come after you and the people who, who've sold it and who you sold it to and everything. Yeah, so, Miramax. Right. Yeah, exactly. So, and they wrote this, whatever limited rights Mr. Tarantino has to screenplay publication, they do not permit the minting of unique NFTs associated with Miramax intellectual property, and his contrary position is the subject of a pending lawsuit. Um, so did you pick up on the word here that I wanted you to ask me? Minting? Yeah, do you know what that is? Yeah, you mint coins, right? No, 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 that's mining. No, mints. You mint. I think it comes from there. I, I do, what is minting? Okay, in, I mean, okay, like, your... okay, no, like, I just meant that, like, um, I went to ancient history. <laughs> yeah, Bitcoin <laughs> and stuff, you mine them, right? So you're not referring yeah, to that. Yeah. Okay, no. Well, minting, I don't know where, <laughs> where it comes from it's... or something, but in the NFT world, you know what it means? But yeah, and then no. tell me if you know, sorry. It's pretty much turning something into an NFT. So that's all it means. So by minting his script, he means making I've... digital digital NFT versions. So make 10 of them, label them one of 10 and, and sell them. So I just wanted to, you know. I don't, what? I don't understand. The, what is he selling again? He... His script, he's going to mint them into NFTs, meaning that, okay. How? Well, he has, this, he takes the script of the movie, right? And he turns it into a digital version and since he'll label so, them like one of 10 or one of 20 or like three of 20 and just makes these specific numbers, there'll be an NFT. So it's pretty much someone can go buy a digital version uh, of like, like a custom of the script. 
of the script. Yeah, and only you will have it because it depends on how many he makes, right? So maybe he'll just make one or maybe he'll make 10 of them and then he'll label them. So that's um, all it is. And yeah, so he wants to turn his script, um, his handwritten, right? His handwritten one, sorry. So that's what's more interesting. Oh, okay. So his handwritten uh, Pulp Fiction script. Uh, has a- so they scan it basically. They literally, yeah, they literally scan and stuff. <laughs> I mean, that's all all it is. They scan it okay. and then it's an NFT, I guess, because with using blockchain technology, they make sure that there's even there's just one of it or like five of them and they'll all be labeled, you know. Maybe you can add a different touch on them. Maybe they can all be a different color or something. And that's it. And then some really rich people can go buy. <laughs> a digital version <laughs> of this handwritten um, script yeah again reading this article was again like you know it's it's like just i get vertigo when i read this i'm like what how who who's i feel like a nine million but nft old. is significantly more simple than what people make it out to be and people love to say what the acronym stands for but it's literally like one part of it is literally just digital arts that they only make it's, one of them. It's coins, be- though. I like the minting thing actually cleared it in my head because it's non-fungible token, Yeah. right? And token, I remember we used tokens in like leisure centers, mm. you know, when you played video, like, you know, uh, the duck thingy and shit. So I think it's a token. Yeah, I'll, I, again, Toy Store money. I'm telling you. It's no, that's more like with money. the cryptocurrency stuff, but it's like, no, listen. This is more. No, I think this is less. Like, listen, it's all everything. Yeah, is, listen, yeah. if I'm an artist, right? Nowadays, in the past year, now I have a new option of drawing it digitally, right? My my painting, right? And there's only one of them, and it's an NFT, right? So with blockchain technology secure that nobody can like change it or replicate it or whatever, even if that's well, needed. Well, you can take a screenshot. But it's not the one. Yeah, someone can take a screenshot, but it's not the I one. Guess, and yeah, I guess, what's the difference between copy of Van Gogh and Van Gogh, if you can't tell the difference, I suppose, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so, I mean, that that's all is, I Most mean, I think with can. different things, it gets more complicated and people use it in games and then you can also, like, have NFT song or something, which really makes me think, so if you have an NFT song, that means, like, only you have it. So, so like, nobody else kind of has it, depending, but they can put out multiple of the same, right? So they do it with baseball cards now. There's the NFT version. So there are like 20 oh. versions of that card or like Pokemon cards, right? Or like 50 or 100. It's so funny. Okay. There's this whole app you can go on. Um, and it's, yeah, it's called OpenSea. And you can see all the different NFT products that people can buy. And yeah, a lot of them have to do with gorillas and all that that we've spoken of for some reason. Or just like <laughs> stupid stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah, and no, I'm, I thought them. the whole yeah. thing is pretty, but yeah, like I know. This is an NFT that you can buy. I don't know why you would do that, but you can do it. In addition, there's only one. Uh, again, though, but I mean, I was a bit, I think, I was very negative on like NFT. I am still negative on that, but it's like, it's not nothing new, though. You no. look at, like, I go to museums and you see half of the shit in there is not really, they weren't using that you know, that, for example, they have this, like, massive, let's say, thing they used, technically, they were supposed to use for drinking, but it was showing off. Mm-hmm. So this is the same thing. It's it's just, yeah, people love, like, Trump's house, I mean, you know, it's all gold. 
Mm. People love gold. Why yeah. do people like gold? I don't. I don't like its color. I. I never. Yeah. Anyway. So yeah, son, buy maybe some digital art. So if you live in the metaverse, you can show off to yeah, people. If they come the... to your house, you're like, come check this out. <laughs> Just a policeman <laughs> with a hat. <laughs> Here's a gorilla in uh, in rapper costume. <laughs> original. original <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah. All right. Okay. <laughs> Let's move on. This next story, I don't really have much to say. I mean, when the person was talking, She's I was like, correct. yeah. No. Hold on, do you even know what story I'm talking about? Oh, sorry, I thought, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't even know what you were, oh, you're talking about the celebrity. No, hold on. So our next no. story is the tennis player, Tennis Sandgren. Oh, yeah. Who, who went on, who was interviewed by Glenn Greenwald. And pretty much mm. he's refusing to play in Australia because he doesn't want to be vaccinated and in the Australian Open because, yeah, he doesn't want to be vaccinated and you can and, and he he's not getting the uh, medical exemption right because the other big tennis player has gotten this medical exemption so he might end up playing and Djokovic, Djokovic. Yeah. but he's like even by so he's just sitting at his home in the u.s right now and you know this is like a Chilling. big tournament from him and he won't be able to qualify for subsequent tournaments because he's gonna lose his his space and I don't have much to say. And I mean, I agreed with some of the stuff with it. He was making rational sense a lot of time. Um, but, you know, he I wasn't couldn't watch it. At, yeah. You're the one who sent it to me. <laughs> you make <it> summer. <laughs> but then, you know, he, he was like, you know, not. A, but then he wasn't really looking at the political side of it and his politicized. And it just kind of like he just made it seem like he was just like. So before this, you know, if this is an issue, just as if he was just born and just politicized during the pandemic period. So like before this, there were no major issues that you would have taken such a big stand on. No, maybe no, maybe he'll come back and argue being like, no, being forced to take this vaccine is the biggest thing that's happened. And this is the one that affects me and I'm going to take a personal stand. It's just that some of these people seem like they were just politicized or just got into politics and stuff and then they're so shocked and then he was saying some stuff about becoming authoritarian and stuff that if you would have just heard it would have just blown your mind away and in the beginning he just said something funny and then he was like i'm especially not gonna let the australian government tell me what to do if the american government tells me what to do that's at least different but like we just we all like put that aside like even the viewers people pointed out in the common sense section okay let's put that aside. look i can take this from ukrainians from french from japanese but australians those guys Yeah. Yeah, but the stuff that he was saying made sense you know the stuff yeah. about their, their regulations yeah. some of them you know like yeah, not being man, not was, being vaccinated was, or being vaccinated is not is, more I of know. a threat to other people so i agree that i i agree with that that that's like a bullshit that's not true anymore yeah, now we sure. know we've learned that you know it doesn't prevent contamination if anything very little depending if the person got really sick or not so i do agree that the strategy and the conversation yeah, with the vaccines need to change and need to evolve but just listening to him it was just it just seemed like a lot of whining man, even he, in he, one way was, to me 
Exactly. He he was talking about this as if this is the Patriots Act or something yeah. that this is going to change the whole authoritarianism is going to come. I watched like 10 minutes or 15 minutes. I couldn't take it Yeah. because he was like, yeah, I'm taking it. You know, sometimes you have to look, look fear into the eye and say no. You know, oh, come on, get over yourself. This is like some bourgeois competition for a bunch of uh, in Australia. Like, you know, it's not even Australian like. It was the competition approved it, and then uh, yeah, the, the, the whole, government. I, again, and the government, think, I'm sure, politicized the government is this. Asshole, like, I believe all yeah. this. Yeah, it's hundred percent true. Like you, yeah, the guy is already got the visa and already, and then at the last moment, you guys, I don't know, but mm-hmm. uh, I mean, I don't know the details of this story. But the guy was talking as if he's like in Tiananmen Square doing this mm-hmm. in front of a tank yeah. or something. And that's why I'm and saying, right? Then, it's as if these people were. I mean, I'm sure he, he. I'm sure yeah. he was only politicized a year and a half ago. I mean, th- based on the way he's speaking and him not making Talks. any reference to yeah to other things that you know other horrible things that the government have done. You know how they responded to nine eleven, all of these. It just, which is still true. It's just like to me, just makes it seem like a bit of whining and like just too much self centered. But, but then I, again, good for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, I. I I don't know. And then Glenn was like, you know, this reminds me of a moment when I was with Edward Snowden trying to like that. You were, you know, that was different, right? Yeah. That was I like, mean, that was a know, weird one. Like, that was like, you know, that was far more like, I don't know why Glenn just keeps comparing like yeah. some of his most crucial moments when he was like, yeah, I remember when I was bringing down that guy, that dictator in Bolivia, <laughs> you know, I was also making it. No, that's much harder than what he did. He yeah. didn't go to a competition. That's what he didn't do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was, I don't know. I found the whole thing very odd. And yeah, ex- again, very self-congratulatory. And, oh, I have taken, I have made such a sacrifice. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, yeah. But I agree that uh, I don't know the details of the case, but it does seem like the Australian government is just being a bit of a douchebag. So I don't Yeah, yeah. And they definitely seem to be, you know, because... For political reasons, for sure, they're jumping onto this to be like, ah, you see, like, you know, we're screwing over anybody who doesn't follow our policies and all this. But that's just like government. It's just like sometimes. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, yeah, uh, this is the type of guy that, you know, exactly. You say a year and a half became politicized. Like, this is the type of guy probably like sends his uh, children to a school. And if the school says this type of vaccine is mandatory, wouldn't even like, uh, you know, as, like bat and eye at it, you know? But just because this issue is in mainstream media become politicized, he's taking a stand. I don't know. Maybe he's actually always been great. But I, it's just a lot of it seems very... Uh, I mean, and you get politicized whenever you get politicized. So I, I hope that it continues and it goes on other yeah, issues yeah. because there will be other issues. But just so often some people from like, you know, whether it's journalists and others who like, complain about the government's approach to COVID and like yes I agree perhaps with this this and that and this that you're saying but why do you make it seem like you just found out that the government you know does stuff that serves them or they do stuff for political reasons or they don't have people's best intention in mind that's what like and why only and why usually uh, on one specific case only I don't know about I did I only watched 15 minutes so I feel like I'm judging way too much by 15 minutes I watched, but I couldn't take it. 
But let's I'm move glad on you watched. To, let's move on to Joe Rogan because I guess people do this from every side, right? Now the other side, like the mainstream media and stuff, they make Joe Rogan seem like all he has are lunatics on his show and stuff. Yeah. And I guess this guest proved 200. that he had lunatics. He had General McMaster, <laughs> although he's a different kind of lunatic than what Luna- the mainstream media is. Mainstream. Yeah, he's lunatic. a mainstream lunatic <laughs> who's a national security advisor under Trump, of course, and apparently also a big Russia gator. So it just kind of undermines the whole thing. He hates Iran. Yeah, of course, that makes sense. So, you know, Joe Rogan, on the COVID thing, I see how it's clashing and stuff. And, you know, people are being branded purely based on their COVID opinions and views nowadays and being put in a box just on that. And it's being, it's dominating everything, which is getting kind of annoying because this interview, I watched clips of it, like, Jesus Christ, man, can Joe Rogan get anyone more mainstream? I mean, Maybe him if he sat next to Hillary Clinton and then asked him about China. So, and... I mean, the bit where he asked him about you're famously nonpartisan, <laughs> ugh, I was going to puke, really. But I, I, I wanted to put, like, put it in a bit of a narrative that you had these 200 uh, scientists write a letter to a Spotify saying that you should take action about Joe Rogan because he's spreading misinformation and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, famously, he had a couple of his videos pulled from YouTube with the doctor and stuff. But then nobody's at all writing to anybody about having General McMaster on, having completely, basically, just nonsense, uh, talking complete nonsense. Uh, But nobody is worried about that suddenly. Nobody is worried about misinformation, which shows their disingenuity and... Uh, their two-faced, uh, two-facedness. Also, I did feel like it was a bit of a big dick move to bring in like the, you know, because all these liberals and conserv- conservatives obviously love, you know, military people, yeah. that's a given. But liberals, you know, especially in the last two decades, they've become this obsessed with, you know, veterans and military people yeah. and, you know, oh, oh my God. Especially people who hero. like had issues with Trump which he fits into oh, that as well. That's the last, yeah, yeah, that's the last four years. But yeah, that's like just supercharges you. John Kelly, yeah. be our hero, McMaster, yeah. be our hero. Yeah, so, you know, but again, I think the best argument, it was probably best argument for freedom of speech. Because when you see, that's why I want the freedom of speech. You want these idiots to come in. You want to, first of all, it's demystifying because General McMaster is usually in his uniform. Here, he shows up in a shitty Hawaiian shirt or (laughs) blouse, whatever. And he's just, I mean, you can't, he can't hide it. He's a complete dimwit. You know, he's just, either he's playing the role of a dimwit very well, but he's a complete idiot, just like most of the top brass are. So, you know, uh, I think just like, uh, like that's the best thing about free speech. You get to know the crazy people. So I, I think it was great. It was demystifying. Although I found Joe Rogan's attitude towards him to be way too reverential. And yeah, yeah. Every now and then he does that with some people who are like, yeah, he holds with them up people. here. Yeah. And Peterson. I, that interview with Peterson was super annoying because he was like, would you mind telling the young people about some of the horrors of the Soviet Union? This guy doesn't know the Soviet <laughs> Union if he, if it like hit him in the face. Yeah. Or Elon Musk. Oh my God. So wait, Elon. That's why I thought he was making fun. I didn't watch. Breakfast and lunch and dinner. <laughs> you fit it all in one day. Wow. 
Where'd you get so, so much time? Amazing. Elon, Elon. So are you a genius or are you a genius like uh, action hero type figure? What kind of... <laughs> I don't know. I, I didn't watch that too much. But, but yeah, it, yeah. let's come to Joe Rogan's defense now once again. Which I thought is, I was defending him. Oh, we were defending him, hating on him <laughs> again. <laughs> which is... He joined, I mean, and, you know, shit over TYT a little bit, just called them a few oh, bad words. Yeah, Anna Kestiparian and John Iroli. So Joe Rogan himself, credit to him, he's sitting with Tim Dillon and he's like, yeah, this other social media outlet that I joined, Getter. like Getter, <laughs> they're complete, Getter? Getter? Yeah, they're complete oh. frauds. They're making it seem like every follower of mine on Twitter is also my follower on Getter getter but it's impossible because they, <laughs> they have like less people in total yeah. subscribe to this oh service. man that's why that's why people like him even people yeah. like me that's you know disagree with him he just honestly threw the whole company under yeah. the bus <laughs> which you know good so you would think good someone like anna kasparian and john Aroli would appreciate would, that would appreciate yeah. that and you know give him give him the credit that is due there you know quickly realize that hey I thought these people would be good, but, you know, they'd probably be worse than Twitter. There's a good chance, but no. They just take that opportunity to be condescending, pathetic, hypocritical, patronizing. I mean, anything else that you can find. Envy, envious. Yeah, and so bad. And then the John Airola guy, he's like, what if aliens were watching us and they see that this is the number one podcast in the world? Well. Yeah, it makes sense. He has a relatively mainstreamish podcast that's like, you know, you can listen and it's chilled. You know, it's not like super academic. It's not super niche. So a lot of people can listen to it. Yeah. yeah sorry. And excuse what, us. We all don't read Dante's Inferno. Yeah. I mean, what, I can what are you doing some with your books. time? Yeah. If you guys yeah. read anything interesting, yeah. TYT would be far more interesting and like intellectually engaging. Yeah. But it's can not. Can imagine? And they're like, who listens to these two, Tim Dillon and Joe Rogan, the show who just lines up stand-up comedians as their guest, as their host. That's all they do. And, you know, they used to specialize in talking shit about women and their, and their parts and all that. I mean... I mean, no, they are... I mean, yeah, we're going to take reading list suggestions from Anna Kasparian and yeah. John Hyde. I mean, yeah. the level of arrogance and condescension. I mean... Again, I do have the same level of arrogance and condescension. Sometimes I feel so. I, but I don't have the same level of envy. They feel they feel so pathetically like you should do your own thing, even if you like, uh, if you, if you are like me, arrogantly believe in your own bullshit. You should at least keep it to yourself and try to you know not, you know I don't know. It felt yeah. It was sad. It was just no. sad. Yeah. And I mean, by the way, I don't care what aliens think of us. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I'm very proud. I I watch shitty movies, a lot of stupid action films. And yeah. I don't care if aliens find out John Wick sold a lot. <laughs> no, I mean they're so full of themselves. It's it's unreal. But okay, yeah. let's move on to someone else who's also full of themselves. So this is the no, British no. celebrity. Come <laughs> the on. British celebrity. So Love Island's Molly May. Uh, she apparently... I don't know what is Love Island, do you? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, they just go in a it's house. It's a reality show. Yeah, it's a reality what, show. What's where the they, point? You go in a house and you try to find a, a partner. 
Oh, okay. So you, you couple oh, up, right. so, and you have to become a couple, and then couples vote out kicked. other couples. Yeah, so you can't. And you know what's funny on all these shows? They've really cut down on the exposure that you get to people drinking. Because if you think about like um, Jersey Shore and stuff, people used to drink like crazy. And if, but in these ones, they're allowed in these new like UK shows and also American ones. A lot of them, they just drink very little alcohol or some of them even have no alcohol. It's very interesting. And it's like hidden and stuff. So that's like hard. Man. Angle, I can't yeah. get through. <laughs> Yeah, that's all right. And but they're the yeah. most pathetic people. All of them, they just whine about like, you know, boyfriend and girlfriend. And Come on. You tell me she's unbearable. not a genius? <laughs> they're unbearable. I, I mean, I, but she's fantastic. This is, I don't know what you're talking about. I only know one person from their cast and she seems like a genius and a real, I mean, it's just the, the, the way she puts it, you can't be angry at her. <laughs> so, before we play the clip, so we're, we'll play the clip for people, but pretty much she was on Love Island. She either won or like did well on it or whatever. And then she became not an ambassador, but like the creative director of a company, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> yes. So yes! maybe she knows a thing or two, though. I don't know. That's no, I, was a bit, I don't think that was a shock. And then she pretty much goes on this, you know, typical like right wing kind of talking point that, you know, through hard work, you can do whatever you want. And I see people and they're not working hard and I've worked so hard to get to this position, which I might have a slightly different, I might say something slightly oh, different man. than what others would say, but go ahead. All right. Okay. The, the video is played. Yeah, now, sure. Right? We played the video. Beyonce has the same 24 hours in a day that, that we do. And I just mm. think like, it's literally, you're given one life and it's down to you what you do with it. Like you can literally go in any direction. And when I've spoken about that before in the past, I have been slammed a little bit with people saying, you know, like it's easy for you to say that, you know, you've grown up and you've not grown up in poverty. You've not grown up, you know, with major money struggles. So if you to sit there and say that we all have the same 24 hours in a day, it's not correct. And I'm like, but technically what I'm saying is correct. We, we do. So I understand that obviously we all have different backgrounds and we're all raised in different ways and we do have different financial situations. But I think if you want something enough, you can achieve it. And it just depends to what lengths you want to go to get where you want to be in the future. And I I'll go to any lengths. Like I, I've worked my absolute arse off to get where I am now. A lot of people don't think that and believe that, but it's true. I've worked so, so hard. Yeah. All right. Yeah, the best part is the part where he's like, no, but I'm literally right there. I'm literally right. It's 24 hours. It's 24 hours per day. And you're like, okay, fair enough. You're right there. You got me. There is 24 hours per day. We all, got, we all got 24 hours. You're right. No, it's literally true. We all got 24 hours. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm sorry. But, yeah, she's just, I can't, yeah, I mean, the level of intelligence. And then. Uh, the left talks about the people are going to, these are the people. They are the people. Well, is she That's, the people? She's um, she's representative of. Well, we don't know what background she has, so maybe she came. I don't from know. Yeah, yeah. Aristocrats. I think. Or... I doubt it, but okay. I mean, it's, but actually, I don't doubt it. Now I think I thought of some aristocrats, but yeah, it was. I loved how she was like, "No, I'm literally true. It's 24 hours a day. All right, it's my mom." Like she thought like that was the point of contention with the other people. Other people, no, we thought it was 15. Shit, uh, it was I mean, 24. You know can i be sympathetic to her though but i mean of course she doesn't understand the whole thing and she's like 
clueless about different opportunities that people have, different things that people are able to do, how different skills materialize into different levels of success at different times. So all this, all this left criticism is absolutely, absolutely true. If she was, you know, if she knew all this and she was a bit wiser, she would be like, yes, I've been dealt a decent hand and all this. I've been put in good situations, whatever they are. However, I know a lot of other people in my situation who have the same, um, same, well, let's say opportunities and everything, but they actually don't do anything. And I am more hardworking than them. So because... Yes, there are. It's true. true. Not all rich people and their kids become successful, but some, yes, some is true. So they take that. So they're like, so they have that 10% extra that they add. So, you know, that changes them from just like not doing anything to actually doing and stuff. But of course she ignored the 90% of what allowed her to get into this position. So if she would have made that kind of nuanced argument, that would have been good to hear because yeah, it is true. You see, to two people, they both come from, let's, we don't even know if she comes from a rich background, but they both come from rich backgrounds and one doesn't do anything, whereas the other one does things and whether that makes her more famous or more popular or whatever. So I'll give you that, you know, but. <laughs> well, to be honest, uh, to be completely and brutally honest, as soon as she started going on about the 24 hours day thingy, <laughs> I was just laughing my ass off. So I didn't hear all of the other well, she didn't parts. say all that but, that was me <laughs> i know and that was you but your point is completely right she's but she's at, at least she's making money probably she's uh, earning enough money to be independent and yeah there is a lot of people who are from the same background or even more privileged background and not even doing that but it's just a bit disappointing that in our society I mean, I don't think she got the creative director job. I don't know, but she's like 21, I think. She's 22. I, I used to date creative direct, a creative director, and I have a lot of, like, this is, first of all, it's a semi-bullshit job that you can sort of I mean, depends, design. really, yeah. Yeah, it depends on yeah, how serious your company is. But I doubt she's doing a serious job. There. I think it's they got her more because of her, you know, but usually these people they make them into ambassadors that was just one thing that kind of caught my attention yeah i mean creative it depends on the company but let me just do a quick google because i don't want to go off on her like maybe she's studied and you just find out she's spent 17 years (laughs) workshopping creative and then you're like oh god damn that's not very she's a social she yeah she's 22 years old 1999 she's a social she was a social media influencer before this so yeah and then she made it half a million pounds she's paid half a million pounds by pretty little thing even being a social media influencer you know so many people can be social media influencers exactly and they don't don't, you know they they minimum they don't even do the minimum yeah so i mean I give her that. So actually, it's just that, <laughs> or a lot of other people. I just, so I, I, I appreciate the hard work. I understand her. I'm sure she looks at other people around her and they don't do what she does. You know, she goes out and does the interviews. She puts herself here and there, you know, post stuff even, but. Yeah, that's but true. But then she, she completely doesn't understand no, the rest of you it, got, of course. No, yeah, no, you're right. You got to respect the hustle and yeah, trying 
which a lot of people, including myself, don't even do that sometimes. So, yeah, but I'm just, I was more focused on the whole idea. I felt like me, you would have doubts about the fact that the day is 24 hours. Well, I thought just like me, you thought the day was 15 hours. But no, now, but that I, I would argue with her because she kept on saying everybody has the same 24 hours, but everybody doesn't really have the same 24 hours, right? Because your 24 hours can be embroiled in different things. Like, let's say you have to take care of X, no, Y, or Z. Technically, or if you have to... But no, know, exactly. But technically, you don't. Technically, <laughs> no, but technically, so you do. Because, no, technically, no, you don't. It's not the same 24 if, hours. Everyone has 24 hours, but they're not the same 24 hours. It is the same 24 hours. We are all on the same plane. We are all on the same plane of existence. But the 24 but hours pass and are mixed different, differently. Different. Yeah. So it's not the yeah. I, I guess it is. I, I <laughs> do. I, don't debate her, okay? It's yeah. literally 24 hours though. It's literally, literally yeah. 24 hours. The fact that she uses the word literally a lot though is a big, big yeah, that's, red, that's red sign. Love. Because you can't say metaphorically, like you can say we all have to. 24 hours as in we all have some chances and blah 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 but no it's literally literally but then again is it yeah it is the same we all have 24 hours but they're not the same right like your 24 yeah. hours and my the past only... 24 hours were different right we did different no, things was, yeah yeah but we had in the beginning of the day we both have the same <laughs> like but but i would say if you live in Alaska or one of these places where it's like half a, it's complete. I mean, the experience is that at least visually it's completely different. But yeah, yeah, we do have the same 24 hours. Well, geez, but yeah, hopefully one day on top of her hard work and everything, she also de- develops a bit of self-awareness and learns about other yeah, factors yeah. that influence people's lives for better or for worse. Yeah, and use her platform for something cool or awesome that, or mm-hmm. even fun, not even like self-aware, yeah. but... So okay, um, oh, okay. Sorry about that. I had to get the door. But okay, Sam. Let's move on to our great and gone segment before doing question of the week and progressive tweets. So, who would you like to discuss and mention this time? Yeah. So I had two people in mind, but one of them is going to be more prominent because he just passed away, and his name is Iraj Pezish. So. In kind of keeping up with our theme of uh, sort of discussing very old men, I think in this episode, um, yeah, he was uh, he was an Iranian novelist, translator, and a <clears throat> playwright, uh, super famous in Iran, one of the most famous Iranian writers, and he was famous for his work of satire and comedy. He would write these fantastic plays of comedy. He he had a satirical column in which he would make fun of the uh, modern poets of Iran and all that. Just an amazing writer. Educated in, uh, uh, I believe he was educated in France. He studied law in France. Mm. And then he came back to Iran, worked for the foreign ministry till the revolution, and then uh, passed away. But most, uh, he had, I mean, his works are fantastic, and I'm going to talk about some of them. His most famous work is called Daijan Napoleon, or My my dear uncle napoleon which is about which is a, this glimpse into a traditional iranian family at very sort of a semi sort of high gentry petty aristocracy family and uh, it's kind of in but in that family and in their surrounding there is all these other people who are from different uh, classes of iranian society and iranian society is very class-based it's kind of it's somewhere between india and uk 
mm-hmm. somewhere like that. It's not as bad as India. It's not as, I mean, it's closer to UK. Well, India uh, has a lot of sect to it as tastes. well, which is, I guess, a bit hey, different. Yeah, sects as well, but hey, they got, we got, oh, Shiaism has a lot of sects, mm. but we don't have as much of a well-defined case mm-hmm. where, according to, uh, you know, everything. So, but, so in this family that is, um, I mean, uh, this is a translation of what Iraj Pazeshat said about the theme of the book. The main theme is the backwardness of a class of freeloaders and dear for no reasons, as they see a new class of young people who, due to their knowledge and a specialization, uh, uh, rise in front of them, they can tolerate them and patronize and condescend them. So you have this uncle who's the elder of the family, and he loves Napoleon because he fought against the British, and he he has and he's has the conspiracy mindset. It's the best book. If you want to understand conspiracy uh, mindset, it is the best book. And I am including English language books Mm -hmm. on the matter too. And there is a great TV show, a fantastic TV show made based on this book, which in my view even suppresses the book in terms of greatness. It's even funnier. It's even better. And I would say it's as good as the best prestige TV. And it's produced 40 years ago. Yeah, I was uh, going to say from, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, I would put it in terms of like all editing, acting, all of that. Uh, it's up there with like any prestige TV, Westworld, uh, Deadwood, whatever you want to say. Uh, the dialogue is fantastic, obviously. And this uh, Dijon Apollon is a bit of a microgasm of the whole Iranian society and how different classes and how Iranian society sort of operated, especially after the fall of Qajars and the rise of Pahlavis. So it's a great glimpse and they, it shows the hypocrisies of the religious people, of non-religious people, of all of them. So, and yeah, he, he passed away sadly in Paris. He couldn't come back to Iran following the revolution mm. because he was in foreign office and all that. He had to go. So it was sad that he never got to come back. But yeah, I wanted to. And by the way, he was translator of the works of Walter and Moliere into Persian, which I assume must be very difficult. Uh, he was. He also wrote a sort of a couple of historical books, a reflections on Russian Revolution and reflections on French Revolution. So he was a bit of a very interesting character. Yeah, it definitely seems like a fascinating guy. So I'm guessing the book very quickly turned into the TV show. Because, I think I mean, so, yeah. 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 Within 10, it was published yeah. in the 70s, the book. So I guess the TV show. And yeah, the TV show, I remember through some channels or something and made a comeback Se- while I was a kid. And oh, yeah, it's so always everybody it's was very... like loving it and saying how it's the best show ever. And I guess so it really made some, it was one of those good shows that really make astute observations of like society, right? The best kind, like Sopranos, for instance. Yeah, but I mean, it's a, uh, the closest thing to it. To, to be honest, there is this one idiot in Iran uh, who claims that uh, Daijan Apollon is a translation of, uh, is a translation or like a ripoff of Tristram Shandy, which is this fantastic, Tristram Shandy is this amazing book from uh, 17th, 18th century UK, where there's this guy who's, Tristram Shandy is the main character. He's he's trying to tell his life story, but he keeps getting distracted and tangled. And he talks about his uncle, and it's fantastic. It's awesome. But it's a it's in that 
genre it's in the genre of like maybe Jane Austen in a bit like uh, sort of decadence but funny and heartwarming and you know but but there is a bit of a subversion and all that it's amazing it's and his works my favorite work of his which I found out yesterday that his favorite work of uh, his as well I I hope you put the picture uh, is called uh, which is um, which is which means uh, your manners are more important than your belongings. Mm. Basically, that's what it means. And like it that. had the best, yeah, the best cover page. And that one is also a great. That's a great example of like how Iranian society would have worked in, like during Pahlavi era, with the because it's all about the corruption in uh, in the governmental offices, in the public offices, and it's all about this one guy who the devil himself cannot uh, uh, make corrupt. And how, because he is uncorruptible, his whole family are miserable because mm. they can't afford anything. They <laughs> don't have anything. It's just annoying. And then this devil himself comes down to make him uh, accept some bribe, but he just keeps repeating that famous sentence, that, which is the name of the book. So his work is fantastic. And I, I do think the funny side of Iran is a side that is less seen but Iran, Iran has a great tradition of satire and, uh, you know, that type of thing. And he's the best in the contemporary age. He wow, was wow. really great stuff. It kind That's of made me cool. want to read the book, like the novel. And I don't really read fiction. The, the novel but... is definitely worth uh, worthwhile. Uh, but I would say I, I think I prefer the TV show. Yeah. TV show is <laughs> but I mean, the if the novel is in um, English, I'll understand it better than if I watch the TV show in Farsi. I would, yeah, I think probably you can even read it in French because I assume the French translation might be. I don't know if but he that did doesn't the French. Help. Yeah. All right. English would be much easier, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> I could. But, uh, nice, very nice. Yeah, and another person passed away from Iran. I felt I highlight because he's not very known and he had a bit of a rare politics. Anushirawan, no, sorry, Anush, Ardeshir Zahedi. He was the son of a guy who was the military leader who did the coup against Mossadegh, right? Yeah, 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 exactly. Okay. But, he would, but he would go become Iran's foreign ministry for a while mm-hmm. and Iran's ambassador to US, I believe. And he was probably, in my view, he was the most, he was the best statement, statesman Iran has ever had. Okay. And sadly, he passed away. Yeah. He, he was one of the very few monarchist who after he left iran he never supported any foreign government Mm. he in fact even supported iranian foreign policy even though because as you know most monarchists are very oh anything that iran does is bad like what did iran do it's bad (laughs) it's It's automatically but he was very fair-minded he was very good and yeah he was from a gen these two both of them are from a generation that i think sadly i don't know there are very few people like them that throughout their life, they took a line and stood by it. And yeah, paths, passing of both of them was very sad. So, you know. I see. Okay. All right. Very, very interesting stuff. Hopefully I'll put the right pictures in the right place. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All the ones that you've sent me. Definitely. <laughs> oh, <but> yeah. <laughs> and they look a bit alike. So, yeah. yeah, I know. I was looking at them like, great. But we'll get to that <laughs> when we get to that in the editing process. But exactly. okay, yeah, hopefully, I mean, it's both a sad segment or not, because that means if we had this on a weekly basis, we'd be hoping that 
somebody dies oh, every yeah. week so <laughs> maybe it won't okay. be a reoccurring series yeah. but yeah <laughs> you it see thursday a... evening and i'm looking for dead people no still yeah. alive this guy's Sam. almost dead <laughs> he's in the hospital shall we visit and maybe something gets on front <laughs> No, no, it's going to be a, a special like we're going to do this segment as they come. We're not going to try to, you know, we're not going to try to manipulate the market. <laughs> People Jesus find God. out through the show that their loved ones have died. They're like, what the hell? I just saw grandpa. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Was famous. Sorry guys, we wanted to discuss <laughs> his ideas. We couldn't do it when he's alive. <laughs> But Wait, okay, or her guy? ideas, it kind of shows our <laughs> hair. Oh, yes, sorry. sorry. <laughs> our biases, maybe. Um, or yeah. just, you know, the world we live in. I'll, I'll find a couple of dead ladies. What do you want? Exactly. Marie Curie. But okay, um, let's move on to our question of the week, which we hope to do this one every week. Although so far I only have a question for this week and next week in mind. So already got to start thinking. So don't come up with bullshit last minute. And also, yeah, love it if the viewers also put what their response is and maybe it'll even make a community post out of it as well. So Sam, the question I thought of for this week is what's your most conservative position or point of view? And I've thought of kind of two. So I can go first. I'll share one if two you want. Two for yourself. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So the first one, I mean, I don't even know if they count as conservatives, but I think for, I'm not saying this is, this will benefit society, but for yourself, I feel like having some kind of like, you know, maybe not your family, of course, not nuclear family in the sense that it has to be a husband and a wife in this way or that way. But it just like, based on like my observations and stuff i feel like if you live alone after a certain age i don't think it's like healthy or good for you and so whether you can be with a man a woman someone who's neither or maybe even two maybe even have two partners polyamory. at home however you want polyamory is polyamory yeah. is making a big comeback yeah so maybe however you want to <laughs> however you want to frame the nuclear family of course not the super conservative uh, that kind of way however your definition is i feel like so that is good that is good for yourself not that the whole society depends on it not that if there are less of these and you know in sweden let me just throw the statistics to you so sweden mm-hmm. has the largest single percent household in all of europe and over 50 percent of adults at least in 2016 lived in single house households and this person brought this up during like a meeting i was at university and stuff sounds and, fantastic and no everybody that's all they remembered although it was a small stat so you find that to be fantastic i'm like i'm like if you're happy that way great but based on my observations i don't know you kind of grow up perhaps a bit too lonely if you're no i mean you i live think there are even health health studies that loneliness usually usually increases anxiety and leads to health problems and all that so no i think you're right there but i don't think it's i i i would agree i think most people would become better functioning adults in a 
in a stable environment, let's say. I don't know. I mean, you but, can be stable if you're alone. Yeah. It just seems like, I don't know. I mean, you know, I mean, yeah, I don't like you're... doing everything with my wife. I actually don't do anything with her, but I just like having her like on her side doing her own wait, thing. Wait, wait, I'm sorry, but I hope you do some things with each other. Like, <laughs> like oh, TV, like we, we like, we watch like one show together, but like 90% of the time she's watching a show and I'm on my computer but I just like to be like around and yeah, stuff. And then that's good. You know, if I feel like okay. making a joke, wow. if I have a comment or I something. I like to be around <laughs> like, like a cat. I like to just <laughs> crawl around her. <laughs> okay. So that's well, my I, first I, most conservative position. I don't even know if it's conservative. It's conservative in the sense that, you know, they always talk about nuclear family. family and of values. course they take it bullshit angles, but what yeah, about I you? Just, what about? Uh, and then I'll tell you my second one. I don't, oh, I I mean, yeah, mine is a bit dangerous. We could lose a lot of fear. But I generally, I do believe the best uh, political system for, I think, first of all, like, uh, yeah, I believe in monarchy, like constitutional monarchy. That's the best political system. So I would say that's pretty conservative, actually. Yeah. I mean, I uh, the policy-wise, I don't support any right-wing policies, but as a political system, I am actually kind of, I think, that's why I'm recently, I'm considering, maybe I'm not left-wing at all. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think constitutional monarchy is the good way to compromise with, given the masses, you know, pageantry and all the fun. And So you're I, saying that, like, you know, actually like concretely like materially speaking a you say constitutional monarchy is that what you said yeah based on the other alternative systems that we have right now so different variations of democracy and all this overall overall you think people in general would be better off under such a system yeah definitely and it's a system that has a potential i think when you have a ceremonial king or largely ceremonial king or queen, they can, you know, it's good for like. But what comes under that? History. Then what's under that? Oh. Then you have like, like you know, uh, Congress and that parliament. kind of stuff, Parliament. Yeah, I just uh, I believe in the. But is that maybe, really maybe a monarchy? Two... Then, then is that really like is the UK a monarchy? Like, is that an example well, a lot of, of what you're saying? A lot of. A lot of people in the UK, including Jeremy Corbyn, who I supported all his policies and I tried, you know, blah, blah, blah. Uh, he's a Republican. A lot of people are Republican. And With yes, meaning, are, meaning, meaning that they're that they're... they want to abolish the monarchy. Oh, OK, OK. They think that they get privileges, they get money, they get public funding. So they think they, they, those things should be cut off. And I actually would agree with some of that, but I don't think they should be. I think monarchies represent history and or can represent history and all that and especially if it's a monarchy with real roots in the country like uk sweden netherlands i think that's the best way because because they also avoid bloody revolutions i think better you can change the king the figurehead but the you know keep the system and reform it radically instead of completely throwing the baby out with the bathwater. so yeah I mean, again, I, I realize it sort of undermines my whole fucking online persona as somebody who's on the left. But yeah, that is what it, it is. What it is. Well, this show is to the left. <laughs> uh, Tries to the left. left of what? But, yeah. uh, but yeah. I mean, but I mean, kind of what you described, I mean, not what you describe, what you concretely point out to is just 
it's not really a monarchy though to me like i mean it's just okay no but i do believe countries should have king ceremonially at least mm-hmm. i guess that's a conservative position yeah yeah no it is yeah. and and okay i i don't know i do believe maybe we should have sort of like driving license people before they vote they should attend like 40 hours minimum classes or something mm, about, about political politics. systems yeah is that a conservative or is that a I, it yeah. seems like conservative because it limits enfranchisement yeah. i would imagine it's just true but i guess if it's provided for free um to everybody yeah, free, of course by the government and stuff i guess there'll be less discrimination um, so let me give you, and by the way, next week, we're going to do what's our most progressive point of view. So I think that's also going <laughs> to shed some light on who we are. But the second I most believe... conservative I have, I guess. <laughs> My most progressive view is that maybe women should be drive to. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> okay, but before we get in trouble, let me let me say mine. I guess this is not even conservative. It's more like right wing in terms of economy. So I definitely think that everything that has to do with people's like primary needs, pretty much. So even to the extent of housing, to a certain extent, but of course, healthcare, education, all the way up to university and past all of this water, transportation, all of these should be like public and state run, even nowadays, part of the internet, you could say, or, you know, even telecommunication, all of these, right, all of these that are pretty much humans need more or less in modern societies to survive. So, but beyond these, when you get kind of, even when you get, when you start getting into the realm of, you know, even like from clothes onwards, of course you need some clothes, but you know, things that are wants, I have no problem with a kind of market economy, which is well-regulated and which is regulated of running all those aspects of of life so i mean i don't know if that was even conservative that was not really conservative. but hey i still said markets though i said something good about market okay all right fair no but yeah i was like okay wait for it wait for it wait. oh okay nothing but oh yeah i think most i mean that's the thing like unless you're jordan peterson most people know that most of the marxists after 19 like 50s pretty much agree with what you say yeah no, no. it's not about you know it's not no. about wearing the same gray shirt you know but yeah. i know what you mean though like in the minds of a lot of people it's like about yeah everybody has to have the same like shirt and the same job and it's yeah. not about that so yeah yeah I, yeah makes sense i would so, say I, that's mine hopefully folks can share theirs a- down in the comment section I have a bit of a bullshitty like yours, conservative. Like I, I think police should have non-lethal force, mm-hmm. but I am big. Oh, like I think if there is a video of you killing someone or killing a living being, even like in case of let's say elephants, like Donald Trump Jr. or Wayne Lapierre or you know all these or the Spanish king actually I think if you're you, I don't know if there's a video of you shooting a living creature and then putting your feet on it and cutting parts of its body I capital punishments <laughs> I yeah I don't know I there's a video you all you advertise it yourself I don't know what tell what more do we need for capital I mean they just killed the living be, living being with you know, feelings and all that. So, 
I mean, I'm all after punishing such acts, especially if, you know, if there's already laws in place saying it. But, you know, oh, capital, fine too. capital punishment based on the arguments I've heard and everything is it's yeah, kind it's of a slippery slope and it's pointless kind of doing it. Because, I mean, you can just lock people up instead. No, I don't agree with that. And all. it doesn't. It's not preventive in the way that you want, because, of course, so many places they they have they capital punishment and they still do it. How do they know what? How do they know if they didn't like? Uh, I mean, capital punishment studies are just annoying. But I agree, it's a slippery slope. It gives the state too much power. But if they maybe if they stop capital punishment, they would be more. I mean, it's just yeah. I but think I mean, it has to do with poverty. Uh, majority of murders has to do with poverty. It has nothing to do with having capital punishment yeah. or not having. Yeah. So I mean, it just seems like to me, it um, doesn't bring any like added value based on what I've no, seen to the well-being of everybody else in society. Okay, I take it back. No, no, but that's... Uh, what no, I, mean, I do. I genuinely do. Yeah. I take it back. Whatever it was. But it does, it's yeah. like, I felt like, yeah, that's probably conservative, supporting capital punch. Yeah, no, no, it definitely is. But okay, that was a good one. So next week, we'll do progressives and then think of some more messed up questions for the following week. <laughs> whenever you can but okay sam let's move on to some progressive tweets and to wrap everything up so let's first start with that link that you sent me which includes jimmy Dore's tweet kyle's tweet and then also jackson hinkle's tweet as well oh okay so it starts off with kyle saying having moderna and pfizer ceos say a fourth shot is necessary undermines what little trusted institutions remain why should we take the word of the people who stand to profit the most with obvious conflicts of interest science must be independent of pharma greed nationalize them so i mean you know i agree with um with kyle's sentiments here and yeah i mean who gives a fuck what the ceo of the company is saying about what is needed it would be much makes much more sense if it comes you know, people don't trust the government either, but that makes more sense if it comes from a public health figure and others. Then Jimmy Dore tweeted in response, it's now safe for guys like Kyle to finally have a critique of all this. Apparently the fourth shot is when Kyle gets suspicious of big pharma motives. Weird he's so casual about being anti-vax and fomenting vaccine hesitancy. Guess he's going for right right wing clicks now. And finally, Jackson wrote, bro, you were calling Jimmy anti-vax and a conspiracy theorist a month ago for criticizing mandates, lockdowns, and other authoritarian COVID policies. You wouldn't understand the point he's making, even if it hit you straight in the face. So, I mean, listen, if Jimmy is like pissed off about this because of, you know, if he thinks that the criticisms that Kyle has made of him are, you know, unfair and all that, that is taken. Otherwise, when you learn and see new stuff and you reach different points and then you start criticizing something that before you didn't criticize to a certain extent because it was going differently, because it was beginning, that's all fair. So in one way, Jimmy Dore's criticism is really unfair. Secondly, because he has a dog in here and, you know, and maybe Kyle said X, Y and Z about him, then he wants to come out and he had a good opportunity to go out of him. But if you remove that context, then, you know, Jimmy Dore's response is just doesn't make sense. But yeah, I don't know what you make of it, if you have anything to say. 
I, I think it's a bit petty, but yeah, I, I mean, yeah, of course, Kyle is a bit more, uh, he's a bit later to the game, it seems, <laughs> yeah. uh, when it comes to that. But yeah, it seemed like such a, yeah, who cares, like, thing. Mm-hmm. But, uh, uh, yeah, he did, I mean, yeah, but I do agree. If somebody changes their mind about something and agree, starts agreeing with you, usually it's better to have an open hand. But, I mean, in this case, though, there's too much bad blood between them. We discussed yeah. the whole uh, standing or ghosting thing and all that. So I, why yeah. would you? But I don't understand. The people who I'm not friends with anymore, I don't even, like, I don't call them out of the blue. So what do you think? Like, I, I don't know. I just tend, it's me maybe, but we tend to just drift apart with the people I don't, like, it doesn't even get to a point that I shout at them usually. It's just like, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, so... I don't continue a really toxic relationship. But I guess they're in the yeah. same market and space and everything. So in that sense, it's like coming yeah. after a competitor. Or... <laughs> do you? I don't remember though. Do you? Did you ever watch Kyle? Did he? Did he smear or say Jimmy Dore was like vaccine anti-vax or anything like that? Did he smear him or anything like? Do you know? I didn't. No, watch I don't know exactly because no, I don't watch. Maybe he. Did, I don't watch I don't too know. much and. And, you know, you can have very good critics. You can have legitimate criticisms of the vaccines and the policies and all this. And then yeah. you can have absolutely not job ones, which then make you, yes, a conspiracy theorist or anti-vax. But I also think it's absolutely unfair Unfounded, to call. Yeah, but it's absolutely unfair to call anybody who, like, asks any kind of questions about the vaccines and, or the policies to be anti-vax. It's just dogmatic behavior from you know from both sides um, okay may if kyle had in past said that you know if he had a smear team or something i think then this tweet makes sense but yeah. i haven't followed his stuff too much so. yeah so that's that now let's move on to some um other the other ones that i sent you so we can just start with the first one Where, did i send them to you yeah i think so yeah. the first one you sent me is dave rubin why can't I see them here? Oh, oops, sorry. Yeah, they're all bunched in together. Okay, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Dave Rubin. So this is why I said we had something about Bob oh. Saget. <laughs> I'm at a complete loss over my friend Bob Saget. He was gentle, he was kind, and he was beyond funny. Is I mean, that true? If that... Please, some of the viewers, I know there is like five of you, <laughs> but please confirm or Gina. If they were friends, if that's true, I'm very disappointed genuinely goddamn disappointed i don't know what that or maybe he just went on yeah maybe saw they was like nice to him yeah yeah exactly i think that's what man that's all you need parasite yeah to pass away and then have david rubin fucking tweet about you oh (laughs) god i rather yeah i I won't wish this to happen to my worst enemy (laughs) so you know jesus christ dave rubin yeah can't just most parasites like he's as if a concept of parasite came to life <laughs> seriously can't argue with you there but yeah he's just exchanging ideas here i guess let's move on <laughs> yeah that's what he would say <laughs> let's move on to the next one. Oh, we didn't even touch on this story we didn't talk about the u.s much but uh, oh, pretty yeah. much there was a supreme court, a supreme court ruling oh, well yeah. actually we'll You're get it from this tweet to- so and these are pretty informative actually right so these this are not is, jokes 
Yeah, this is guys behind the curtains of our production here. <laughs> Shit, we forgot this story. <laughs> so, oh, we had a guest. <laughs> forgot to call them. <laughs> okay, so Glenn wrote, nothing in today's six to three Supreme Court ruling stops Congress from imposing a vaccine mandate for large employers. Congress is free to do so. The ruling is that since Congress did not, Biden slash the Department of Labor don't have authority over OSHA to unilaterally impose one. So impose a mandate on uh, big companies. And then he also wrote the second one in response to someone else's tweet. He wrote, in other words, today's Supreme Court ruling has nothing to do with vaccine mandates on the merits and everything to do with the limits of presidential power to act by decree. So I found them to be quite informative. Oh, it's um, a, tweets it's a breaking down. To, yeah. I got it. The OSHA. All right. Yeah, I think. Yeah, but to be honest, I would say just the whole Supreme Court, I think, is a very, I mean, that's my problem. Like, I don't, uh, I, that's why I have problem with leftists use Supreme Courts to argue a point. And although Glenn is not really arguing no, no, either he was or. Just, no, just he's just saying down. that it's, yeah, you're right. So I take that. But yeah, but I don't think these issues should be settled by Supreme Court. They should be settled in yeah. Parliament or Congress. And it can go one way or another, right? Look at the abortion thing. Like, I mean, you know, just relying yeah, exactly. on the Congress, on the, on Supreme. the Supreme Court thing is just, you know, I guess it's one of Dangerous. the fastest and easiest ways to enact change in the U.S., but it can, if you, you know, it's, you know, it's nowhere near as good as legislation. It seems. And I just, I mean, it's again, it's a moral text. So I don't, I mean, it's not evidence-based or anything. I do think it, I don't, I, I hate arbitrary rule of laws based on interpretation of a text written 300 years ago. That's why I think, again, British like constitutional arrangement is the best. You need to have a flexible constitution. Yeah. So parliament must be the highest house. That's my take. Okay, um, let's move on. So the next, the next one is just a comment that's mistaken. So move on to the David Sirota tweet. So he has oh, two. Oh, nice! I love it. Well, yeah, but the second one: American politics being a twenty-four-seven obsession over two doll ball, uh, but great, breathtakingly <laughs> corrupt. <laughs> Nobody senators an embarrassment for all involved. It's embarrassing for every politician in Congress, for every hot tech writer, fulminating over it. And for the entire country, it's a joke. Then a second tweet says, a sign of societal collapse is when all civic life hinges on a handful of unaccountable kleptocrats with absolutely no public accomplishments to their name. But I guess the second one is kind of hinting that, you know, right now the U.S. is like, you know, falling yeah, apart it. a bit. And, you know, because there's like a handful of unaccountable kleptocrats. But hasn't that always been the case? I guess I'm going back to my one and only argument that I make nonstop. It's always been the case. But has it no, not I would always say, like, no, no. was it no, more no. democratic it, in the 70s, 60s, 50s, no, no, 20s, early 1900s, wait, late 1800s? Wait, there is two assertions be, being made. Mm -hmm. A sign of societal collapse is when all civic life hinges on a handful of unaccountable kilograms kleptocrats that's first ascension so the society like the destiny of the society is in the hand of few 
you know, few aristocrats, few oligarchs, whatever. The second assertion, with absolutely no public accomplishment to their names. That's like, yes, in 1940s and 30s, it was a few kleptocrats, but Roosevelt actually had done something. Mm -hmm. Roosevelt had to, uh, um, had to basically get rid of a lot of political enemies <laughs> before becoming a president. Had to, uh, he had to rise through the Tammany Hall political system, you know. So yeah, I, I agree that it's always been a. There was always we've always been by few because only a few can rule. Uh, just as a, a few at this level of, uh, at at that level. So yeah, but I don't think we have been. Uh, the level of corruption and incompetence is uh, at the moment, historically speaking, I think is one of the lows. Like even compare them to Thatcher, for example, you know, compare uh, Thatcher, somebody I hope we both hate. So, you know, uh, but yeah, just, so I guess so incompetent, you know, but are all they are, are all of them that incompetent now? And were they all before like far more um, competent? Not or are we all, thinking but, of like but, specific people like, is Hill? I mean, I guess Hillary Clinton no, is also incompetent, right? Of... I mean, Obama wasn't incompetent. No, Obama no. was. Obama was no, but Obama was the same, same category as Trump. No, nothing president. No, yeah, nothing. I think if you go, but before, back then too, like you took Reagan, Roosevelt, which is like a really good example. But what about like yeah. except him, like people who before, followed no, before no. and after? No, before Reagan, and I think there are actually historical reasons for this. I mean, presidency increasingly and Congress, political systems. I mean, Adam Curtis, I think, talks about this. The increasingly, we have since 1960s emptied. And that's what I mean when we, we should give power to political systems. We decided in 1960s politicians are all bad because Nixon did some wiretapping or some shit. And we have emptied the presidential. And by the way, we, I mean, not just we, the people and the deepest state, of course, they played a bigger role, but everybody went along with it. So I do think there is generational shifts you can point to before Reagan, the level, the class of the politicians was much higher than this shitty that, I mean, this is ridiculous. Genuinely, I mean, look at Keir Starmer. I hate Tony Blair, but I mean, like there is a clear degeneration there, you know, there is no fair clear enough, degeneration. Fair I mean, enough, maybe, fair. maybe I am. Maybe no. I, mean, I don't. I think it's cyclical. By the mm -hmm. way, we're gonna get back some useful people, but I, I don't think it's either the linear to the best or linear to degeneration. But no, okay, all right, no, very, very. Sorry, I get very intense about this. I don't know why. No, no, that was good. That was good. That was good. Um, let's move on to the next one. The next one is kind of short. Ah. I don't. I just brought this up because the actress, do you know her or you, you like her? Yeah, I oh, love so her. For you. Yeah. Uh, you're bringing up all my, like a lot of crushes today. <laughs> Salma Hayek, Susan Sarandon is a still, she's, uh, I believe she's, uh, you know, of above like a certain age and she still looks as beautiful. Yeah, uh, yeah no, I can't. Uh, yeah, I can't argue with you there. So I'll just read the tweet since we have it. <laughs> I stand in solidarity with the 8,400 striking workers at Kroger in Colorado. If Kroger can't af can afford to pay its CEO over 20 million and spend 1 billion on stock buybacks, you know what? In a, it can afford to pay its workers better wages and benefits with safe working conditions. And yeah, hopefully one day they'll be forced to do that. And yeah, yeah she wrote that she's legislation. Yeah, she stands with them. Yeah, yeah. She Susan Sarandon was, by the way, in a couple of 
the Atlantic City or something. Sydney Lumet movies, great movies about like crime in America and all that. But uh, do they, do you know what is the specific things that the workers are asking? Mm, I'm guessing eight thousand It's very and, good. Uh, very yeah. Good. What is Kroger? What do they do? They're uh, I'm not sure. I think FMCG, but I'm not sure. I'm really not sure. Anyways, <laughs> it's yeah. a retail company. Oh, it's, it's an American retail, retail uh, company that operates supermarkets and multi-department stores it's throughout like Walmart. the U.S. Yeah, but I don't. I don't know if they have their own. I don't know. I've been. I mean, I've only been to New York in the U.S., so maybe I haven't seen everything. So. <laughs> Maybe. They don't have any other places in Canada. They didn't have Kroger though. Kroger's, I think it's something like Costco. Maybe it's some. Maybe it's some states like you know the, the Chick Fil A is only in a few states. So mm. yeah. Okay. All right. Let's keep on moving to our next tweet, Sam. And yeah, this one I found oh. um, interesting. So it's just about pretty much um, rich countries. Giving the giving vaccines to poor countries last minute, and them so the vaccines are about to expire, and at the same time they don't have the high yeah they, they don't have the, the infrastructure to implement them. So rich nations are hoarding vaccines, want to dump them when in LICs close to when they're close to expiration. A metaphor for much of what is wrong with the aid industry. Poor nations reject over 100 million COVID shots as many close to expire. So, yeah, apparently in December, they said, like, no. to. <laughs> they're like, no, we don't want it. We're not going to buy it. And yeah, then, of course, because it's going to run out. And yeah. we don't have fridge. Yeah. And then the second tweet is funny. He wrote, step one, hoard vaccines. Step two, abruptly send soon to expire vaccines to a low-income country. Step three, blame said low-income country for not administrating all the vaccines before the expired date. Step four, repeat. And I was actually reading the article and there were a few interesting facts. Like apparently on an ongoing basis, France is throwing away 20% of its Moderna vaccines and like 7% of its AstraZeneca ones, like all the time, if I had read that figure correctly. <laughs> and like the Congo had to return, had to like return a million of them in December and like or give them to another country. And yeah, and of course they said no to a hundred million of them. But yes, I mean, it's happening everywhere. I mean, they're, they're keeping all these vaccines and, you know, vaccine and hesitancy they, yeah. is... Sadly, like, they... Yeah. I like mean, everything else, though. Up. It's not unique. I mean... It's not unique. That's what no. I was going to say. Yeah. I remember when I was a kid, this reminded me when I was a kid. I don't know if this is true or not, because this was said by my family members who have a tendency to repeat a lot of stuff without fact checking. <laughs> so when I was a kid, my I think it was my aunt, somebody told me that in the US, because there is protection policies for agriculture, they burn wheat in, mm. like they, you know, and you know, they we, obviously they point out as they always did that in Africa there are children hungry, <laughs> so you should be very thankful. <laughs> and uh, uh, you know, they, they would say, you know, they, they burn uh, wheat because if they allow it to go to the markets, then the price would drop mm. and all that. So, I mean, you know, that's by the way, that's why from very young age I knew neoliberalism is bullshit because it's liberalism for the you know, industries we are strong in, but protect, uh, protectionism for the industries that you are strong mm. in, you know, like agriculture. Yeah, yeah. 
uh, yeah, this is just that. No, hundred percent. He says. Yeah. And I mean, there's a much less malicious one, even perhaps, which is food, which based on when you when you add up, I believe everything that's wasted in the in the process of like agriculture when they're actually picking it up to the transportation to people at home also like a third of all food is easily gone oh to waste. Uh, talking about food and fruits from earlier i don't know if you uh, john oliver did a famous thing about one third of good fruits just because like there is a slight like dark mm. uh, tan on them mm -hmm. or there is a thing somebody like push them a bit in the america one third of fruits are thrown out yeah. thrown out because it's not even worth the like the money the storage too much space. money to sell no if, oh. or storage or to sell it to for you know secondary use yeah. or stuff or to a lower market they just throw them out because the transportation is not the, i mean it's just like yeah I mean, no. I think if, if there are aliens ever come to planet Earth, we should be worried about these type of issues yeah. rather than which podcast they listen to. Yeah, which podcast. No, you're exactly, you're 100% right. And I know that, you know, some vegans who are, like eat a lot of like fruits, like bananas and stuff, they go to big supermarkets and they're like, yeah, where are your bananas that, you know, they're about to go bad and you're going to throw away. And they either give them boxes full of banana for and free banana or is for nicer like, $1 or something. Yeah. It gets softer as the, it's sort of, it's, I mean, I mean, anybody who is a real fruit eater, which I think I am, knows that fruits, it's like, it's the relationship between the image and the taste is, uh, what do they say that? It's opposites? I don't know. Oh, yeah. It's mutually exclusive. Is that no, the word? They, no, 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 no. It's no, that's different. <laughs> that's a whole different. <laughs> no, no, it's, there is reverse correlation. Okay. Whatever. I don't know. Yeah, no but... i see yeah, yeah no that definitely seems to be the case and this reminded me i just wanted to tell you something about fruits that i forgot in an earlier segment and then we just have one oh, tweet yeah. it, i'm I always if, interested <laughs> i don't know if you've seen these videos but in japan they're like there's like grapes that could cost 50 dollars or like a melon that costs like a hundred dollars and it's super expensive What? and pretty much there's this tradition of You give gifts to people, like, you know, you go to someone's house, you bring chocolate or flowers. Another one is that you bring these, like, very, ex even the fruit isn't exclusive, I oh, guess it comes it, from someone's like, is a, it? it's like high-end fruits. Is it, does it, because melons and uh, uh, watermelon, that type of thing, you can shape them. Are they shaped? Because if you they put are them in also a box, shaped a bit, yes, it looked like it, uh, no, like, something like, ball, but yeah, fantasy. they were showing it, it was an Instagram video, it was like, what, and then. They wrote that, yeah, sure. apparently, like... Please send me the link. Yeah, if I come across <laughs> it again, I will. So, yeah, you go to someone's house with, like, instead of a $50 bottle of wine or something, here's a $75 melon. Is <laughs> a, yeah, watermelon, go up. <laughs> watermelon in Iran is associated with the... It's the cheapest, I think, of... Because you can... It's... Uh, man, try this. Anybody who hears this, this is... Uh, watermelon, cheese, and bread. Like okay. you know, thin bread, not yeah, very yeah. thick bread. So good, it's so. Good. No, I think I've ha had that before. No, yeah, it's very common in Iran. Yeah. And yeah, okay. So the last one All is right. just a science fact oh, for you. I hope it's actually true. <laughs> so did you know in the town Barrow, located in Alaska, the sun sets on November 18th and rises on January 23rd? Between this period, there's darkness. Oh, yeah, for I knew 67 that. 67 days. I mean, it makes sense, right? 
No, I knew that because of the movie. What was that movie? God damn it. Vampires. They go to Alaska. Vampires are going to Alaska because they found out about this place. And they're <laughs> like, oh, this is like best place. So it's actually a good horror movie. <laughs> the Nights, the Night of the, what's, it's got Danny Houston as the main vampire. But I like it. This horror movie sounds good because I like how there's it's like good. an element of reality that is, you know, a bit freaky and trippy. Although everybody knows that oh. in the North, it's dark and shit. If, if you think that you like Candyman, Candyman has very social, political messaging mm. as well. Yeah, I might but, watch but the, Candyman, actually. When I do one thing with my wife. <laughs> Just the only thing for the month that we do together. Too much. We did two things. <laughs> we have to get divorced. No, but we're also going to watch Succession oh, soon. But that's my night. thing. Okay. It's near yeah, the movie. 30 Days of Night. Yeah. But um, yeah, but man, I would love to live somewhere like that. That's my dream. I would have problems Although, getting like, up though. Because you know, I... Is there... Sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say, I tried to get up with the sun really. I don't really close my curtains anymore. And so I just uh, wake up when the sun rises. So I hate alarms. They give me a bit of a headache. But you got to do what you got to do, I guess. Well, is it, by the way, do they have 67 periods where it's just day? I wouldn't be surprised because I know in Norway and stuff, just like sometimes it doesn't get dark, dark. at all. That's and other awful, times it's yeah. like daily yeah, holy shit. That would be borderline yeah. torture. That's yeah. And both, in so- both are because bad. I just re- yeah, my all of my knowledge comes from pop culture. So I just remembered Insomnia, the Christopher Nolan film. That's in Alaska too. And it doesn't get dark. That's mm-hmm. yeah, that's like I love to live somewhere where it's always dark, not somewhere where you gotta what switch you gotta switch between the places yeah go from alaska <laughs> to like north south most part of i don't know what's the chile i don't know what's the country that comes to very yeah, south i think of it's it. i think it's chile that goes like that chile? way right yeah? yeah yeah i think so i think so <laughs> anyway <laughs> anyway <laughs> all right let's wrap this up Thank you for watching, Uh, people. Please leave your comments, questions, criticisms, everything down below, and we'll make sure to get to them. If not, please like and subscribe, and we'll see you in our next video. Thank you.